we're dedicating a shout out to our mates at Calm. That's the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, Calm's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net or you can call them from 5pm until midnight, 365 days of the year on 0800 58 58 58. And welcome to the Nose Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, we have Mr. Martin Theobald. Yo, I'm here. And as generally always, the ever-present and colourful Mr. Terry Chapandama. Peace. Um, good to see the tracksuit top and the and my cabling and you know, everything's matching. Today. Everything is, and yeah. your watch. Yeah. Yeah, that is, this that is, is some this is... epic coincidental... What is the tracksuit top? Coding. For those at home that can't see it, uh, Danish is it? Nice. Uh, what, just the Danish national team? Yeah. Oh right, okay. It's nice. I like it. Nice, yeah. Old school Adidas for those that can't be, see, be, best which fi- is everyone. Be, best fifteen quid I've spent <laughs> for those of you. Who can't, I can see, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't mean just for our visually impaired listeners, <laughs> or, or or issue or or listeners with any other with any other. I don't even want to call them issues. They're not issues. They just. Different specifications. We've 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 already gone way off track. (laughs) (laughs) About about a top. We were talking about a top. We've managed to go off track and probably. But is a track top. Talk ourselves into some sort of. We dug a hole. Yeah, we shouldn't be in. No one was even put you under pressure, and you managed to put yourself into an awkward hole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, These are the things we seek, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, anyone done anything exciting with their weekend? No, it's my daughter's birthday today and I'm here. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, this no, was no, fair, a question mark whether you are going to be here this week. Happy birthday, Ola. Daddy loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Not she quite enough to miss, miss the New Age Posting podcast, though. <laughs> There's a lot going on this week. She'll understand. Yeah, yeah, she definitely will. Um, and when she's older and she's listening to the back catalogue of these, yeah, yeah. she'll appreciate your presence on this week. She will. Yeah, she will. Terry? <sighs> We're just bumming around, although ended up... Not really having dinner with the Lebanese ambassador, but kind of having dinner. We're on the same table. What? Yeah, all right then. Well, nothing more needs to be said about that. Did so. he have Ferreira Rocha? <laughs> no, he didn't. But I'm, I was trying to blag my way. They're having a performance of a play on May the 8th. I'm trying to blag my way in. It, it looks like a pretty powerful guest list. I only know that because I was taking sneaky pictures of the invite list. So I was just well, like... Well, there goes your invite. No, no. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think they've realized that, but I was just trying to work my way we in. do was, now. Yeah, he doesn't He's listen. a big fan. No, is he fine? <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, he's mates with Andy Ailing, so he doesn't listen. Just, just, he was in Spain. Just blindly looking off of his list. Like, uh, yeah, my, what's your name, sir? Um, uh, my name's uh, yes, Vladimir Arafat. Putin. Vladimir, Vladimir Putin. Oh, fuck. Is that, 
Yasser Arafat and Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I've no idea whether Vladimir Putin would be going to uh, the Lebanese ambassador's I'm dinner. I'm guessing not. Probably not. <clears throat> no, probably no. not. So where is that Salisbury. dinner? Salisbury. <laughs> uh, no, so, so it's at the embassy in Kensington. Let's all go. Oh, all right. If you can black yourselves in, yeah. You've got the guest list. Well, I haven't yet. I can see what would happen. If I went to all the lengths to try and blag my way in, I'd be like, Terry, I'm here. Where are you? Ah, uh, mate, I didn't bother in the end. <laughs> what the fuck, Terry? <laughs> I'm playing PS4, mate. Yeah. I finally got one after all those weeks. Of... It'd be like Ocean's Eleven. We would just go in and just come out with something, some fucking, some Iranian hostages or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there Iranian hostages? Martin turns up in a cocktail dress. Like, Martin, you didn't have to turn up as a woman. I thought that was the deal. I thought that's how we were getting in. Call me Martina, dickhead. <laughs> Don't blow my cover. You haven't even shaved. Navratilova. Um, right. What we were we here for? Yeah, how, was your, how was your weekend, Andy? Uh, yeah, pretty non-eventful, if I'm honest. Yeah, Cialis working well for you now? Feel like a young man again? The what? The Cialis. Cialis? What's that? Yeah, you'll Google it. We're all gone. That's probably something horrible, isn't it? No. There's people listening to this now going, oh, yeah, see how this Yeah, see how this Um 20 milligrams. Last nice. time we talked about Sea Alice was probably a Polish bird, wasn't it? Called Alice. Maybe. I mean, I don't remember an Alice. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't been to All by One for a while. I think we should go. If you're right. Yeah. We'll just have a little sit down. Yeah, we can do. Yeah. No dramas, mate. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. fine. It's where the, I met the love of my life. <sighs> what are we at, doing? What, what are we doing? <laughs> Every week I ask the same question. So, yeah, I know. So, let's uh, welcome to the New Age Love Podcast. What are we going to talk about today? What was your first memory of love, Martin? Fuck off. <laughs> no, no, I want to hear this. Stop, stop. Everyone wants to hear this. Let's go. What was your first memory of love, Terry? What? <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know? Do you know? I was. I was so he was thinking so hard. <laughs> go, on, go on. I had to stop because I was like, "Shit, I can't put the name out there." But there's a there's what a lady. Was it, what was no, his no, name? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so offended. He's, he looked, that's the first time I've thought Terry might punch me across the table. <laughs> you got that Chisora look. No, I'm trying to think. <laughs> No, no. So when we were kids, there was a thing called Fun in the Parks. It's basically where everyone went on a bank first May bank holiday weekend, I think it was. And there was, there was a girl there who was older. Like, she had a reputation in the area. She must have thought I was older because of the guys I hung out with. And I remember just being obsessed with her for ages before that. And then, I mean, we managed to get it on there. I was just like, yeah. You know when you're like, you're the fucking man. Wait, this <laughs> is love. It's about that you bang no, no, no. a bird in a park. <laughs> no. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. That you johnnied up in a park and no, smashed no, an no, older no, bird. No, 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 no. But when you're when you're in year eleven, right? That's what matters, isn't it? Oh, That's that, love. That's the extent of love in year okay, eleven, yeah, right? Yeah, I get that. You know, now that we're a bit older, knees and hips are going. You know, yes. we, you know what I mean? <laughs> S- sat there watching fucking Inspector Morse. You know what I mean? With a fucking blanket over the pair of you. It's like fucking some kind of mad concept no. of love now. I don't even like Inspector Morse. <laughs> Everything else. No, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> yeah, that's nearer. <laughs> right. So it's about Ultimate Boxer. Might as well. Mate, I didn't see anything to do with this. And mm-hmm. that might be a blessing or a curse. I don't know. I'm going to wait for you guys to share so, Andy, what do you think of it? Well, I thought it was. Uh, the fact in that you asked me when I wrote it down. Was this a boxing card? <laughs> in boxing terms, it was it was the ultimate. 
Um, but what did you think? I really enjoyed it, right? Because... <laughs> I realize I'm the only one sat around this table who watched it. But what? How very dare you? <laughs> it's, it's a shame this happens and the ultimate warrior's dead. <laughs> Maybe they've been waiting. Um, <laughs> so they could use the name. <clears throat> so they got six undefeated lads at Welterweight. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, big time. Big time, isn't it? <laughs> Prick. <laughs> where, where, where did they find these guys? All around the country. Around the country. From Portsmouth to Newcastle. All, all the way to Any of them been on a Goodwin show? Newcastle. Jimmy Young. Jimmy uh, Snucker. Jimmy name? Cooper. Jimmy Cooper. Cooper. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mate, so, so they really had to dig up like the fucking dregs for this tournament. <laughs> so, uh, Isaac McLeod went into it as favourite. So XGB squad member, Isaac. Um, so you had from him. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't approve. I was like. You know when you're like XGB squad member, and I'm like I thought Fred Evans was at the bottom of the pile, <laughs> and we just found someone who fell even further. Down. <laughs> oh shit! So no, I'm alright with it. So you get eight undefeated welterweights, and I think there was was it five grand was the prize? Maybe I don't know. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, and then the winner got a golden robe. <laughs> but but the, there were six. How did that work? What? If there's six boxes. No, eight. Oh, okay. Eight welterweights. Um, so they didn't show the quarterfinals. So they didn't show the first round of fights. So they skipped straight through to the semis. They showed some highlights. Um, and Isaac McLeod, I say he was a favourite going into this, beat Andy Kremner, I think, in the first round. McLeod, XGB. And then they get him up against some lad, Tom Young, who I think he'd only had like a couple of white collars, maybe, or something like some unlicensed. He was an ex-apprentice at Leeds, um, but was just pure work rate, which in these little like prize fighter-esque tournaments, um, it's quite an advantage if you can keep that up. <clears throat> and so he goes in, and I say, you've got one very nice boxer, one lad who's raw as fuck, but just works, works, works. And he knocked Isaac out with his beautiful hook um, after he put him down already. A first-round knockout, I think, if I remember rightly. Um but he went on to lose in the final to a lad, Drew Brown, I think his name was. Um, but I really like the... I know Prize Fighter kind of run its course somewhat over time. But you get and you get eight lads undefeated. All of them want to win. So it's not like some standard kind of small hall where... You know, there's a Mickey Helliot show at the weekend. I think there were 24 fights on the card. Every one of them was prospect versus journeyman. Like this was eight lads, all of them in there with the intention of winning... One of them goes home with a nice payday out of it. Um, and then they had, before the final came on, because now they have these, like, they're short three-round fights. Yeah. <clears throat> they get some dude who I'm not aware of culturally. Big Nasty. Pain. Big Nasty, anyone? Base. No. I love Big. Big Nasty is one of the guys, right? Do you know you have that friend who couldn't be a comedian, but it's just funny as fuck? Right. He's just funny. Like, just... You could spend an hour watching Big Nasty on YouTube going, he's quite funny. Fair one. So they get him on. He's a rapper, I think, isn't he, as well? No. So they get him on. And yeah, they, you wouldn't listen to him rap. They cut to it. Because in between fights, they've got, like, Michelle Joy Phelps and Coogan Cassius going off doing interviews with people. Can we just stop for a second and just go, look how low boxing has sunk, right? You've got this, this ultimate boxer thing, and you've got Big Nasty trying to carry the energy... Then you've got Michelle Joy Phelps and Coogan Cassis, who between them 
know less about boxing than a fucking fetus. <laughs> and all of a sudden, these guys, these guys are anchoring boxing coverage, which is basically covered by a few guys who were just sweeping fucking classrooms two hours before. This is... And I'm supposed to watch this shit on TV. Why can't we just accept that there are too many people trying to box? Not many of them are that good. Just fuck off and go and be bouncers for fuck's sake. Back to the entertainment of the evening. Uh, so that big nasty comes out. And I was flicking over between the Dennis Hobson show and this. Um, and as I flick back between rounds of the Lee and Cameron fight, I flick back and big nasty. <laughs> big nasty's on this stage, right? And he was like some obese black Bob Geldof. He was going, I, I, I missed the beginning of what this was about, but he's going, give me your fucking money, you guys. Yep, typical Geldof. <laughs> Classic was, Geldof. This is on like Five Spike or whatever the channel is. And he's dropping C-bombs all over the place, just shouting at the audience. Like, over here, who can shout it the loudest? You lot over there. Like, live on t- <laughs> Where was this held? Manchester Arena. Was it full? Uh, it was full, but from what I understand, that's because an awful lot of complimentaries got handed out. A lot of competition winners? I don't even think it's that. From what I heard, like they went along to... Like, They're just there of, on the door. Pick your tickets up Some of the, the call centres around Manchester. So they went around and just handed out a load of tickets. So you see these people in the crowd, they've clearly got no interest in boxing whatsoever. <laughs> Can you name the heavyweight from 1964? Uh, don't know, mate. Correct! Here's your ticket! Yeah. <laughs> Um, so just a really, it was a very young crowd, which they're clearly trying to make a hybrid of boxing and entertainment. Like when they announced this, they announced it at some press conference where they had, um, people giving out free haircuts and what? I don't know. I I genuinely, I don't know. We could Um, be reaching, we could be reaching peak Chap and Dharma table flipology. But but here's the thing. (laughs) Table flip territory. Here's here's the thing that, that I think. How does he go worse than when he just told him to fuck off and become bouncers? I think this is where it all started. So when David Hay made his comeback, if you remember, it was a 3.3 million on Dave. And I'm sure some of these washed up boxing hacks were sat there going, if a half, power David Hay can pull in 3.3 million, we can at least do 100,000 with some kind of gimmick. And so everyone's tried to jump on this thing of people want to pay for televised boxing. This is the biggest myth in boxing, right? I don't care about the central area fucking weight champion. I don't care about that guy in Penzance who can box. I don't give a shit about 95% of these guys. I know people talk about grassroots and whatnot, you're nicking a living. That's the truth. You're nicking a living and there isn't even enough money to sustain. In fact, the many are making it hard for the few that deserve to make a good living. That's the problem, number one. Number two, this whole concept of boxing fans need entertainment isn't true. What we need are good, well-matched fights between people who can actually do the bloody job. That's all we need. It seems to have worked in every other sport. Oh, we got the two best people in what they do about to go head to head. Federer, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal. Surprisingly, people come to the stadium in large numbers and they're accused. You get number 152 playing number 151. And you're like, mm, I can look at that on teletext. Sorry, not teletext. <laughs> <laughs> Showing your age. Showing your age there, Tell. If I can look 301, up my... general sport. Whilst I'm playing Bamboozle yeah. on Channel 4. 302, uh, 458. <laughs> But but here's the point. 
three one six the league tables, if I remember rightly. This ultimate boxer thing will <laughs> fall that, on its ass because because basically, does anyone remember like in the early days of like internet video, you had bum fights. Yes. Yeah. This is essentially what we've become. What we've got boxing down to now. You've got. <laughs> Anthony you... Joshua at one end and bum fights on That's Spike. That's the guy who used to tattoo his knuckles with bum fights. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you've got now. And Big Nasty can't save it. Michelle Joy Phelps streaking couldn't save it. This will just be a one and done. Like, at least you got Malinaggi over. And on a side note, <clears throat> listen. Okay. I've had seven women tell me Malinaggi sliding in the DM. Yes. Go on, Paulie. What an absolute slimy cunt. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll, I'll be in London soon. Like, hey, do you want to meet up? Or or just I'll be in Manchester. Do you want to meet up? And he goes like, Terry, I believe the cheek of this prick. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, you know, like you're not the first one to tell me this. And like, apparently he's notorious for it in the States as well. The guy's just, you know, we used to respect Malinaji as a boxing analyst. Like the sliding into the DM shit. He's embarrassing himself now. You know, just, just. Stop. In fact, I think everyone should stop because the DMs are where nothing should go down. And there, there, there seems to be this like invisible line somewhere in society where you can't, you can't generally, you can't just draw lines in the population, but you can. It was there's blokes who think cockpits are what we want to see, and cockpits are people, women, blokes who think that cockpits. No, why the fuck would I do that? And there's a great big line that comes down there, and there's blokes who think, hmm. Should I send a seedy message? Will that get me laid? Some blokes think yes. Then some blokes think no. I want to know if it's working for Malinaji. Must be working somewhere. Well, if they're telling Terry about it, I'm assuming they're not going to check this prick out who's, uh, who's you know, to almost quote Terry. Who's saying, I assume they didn't go back to him and say, Yeah, but what about yeah. the one that didn't tell Terry? Yeah, well, there's that, I suppose. Yeah, but but, but yeah. look, if that doesn't work, you know Match have the hospitality package. <laughs> so, so it's all, all's well that ends well. Who's that with the guy from the office, Finch? Give me 10 minutes with her. I'll be up to me, not singles. <laughs> so disgusting. <laughs> um, question for you in the structure of boxing, right? Do, do either of you know, when, when it comes to UFC, in certain weight That's cat- not boxing. I understand that. but like, <laughs> Just had to check. In, in UFC, in the weight categories, where do they find um, their fighters from? Is there, is there say, a... Um, a pen that gets updated of fighters every year or something like that or they just pull them out of the air so you have like BAMA over here the British Association Mixed Martial Arts so that's like the televised product over here I think there's another one as well Um, so like if you are really really good in that then there's a chance you'll get picked up by the UFC over time Strike Force or K there are loads of fighting promotions it's just that UFC right now is the most lucrative right so let's say you're a champion in Strike Force then the UFC will look at you and go, actually, do you know what? If you think, you want, if you think you've got it, come over to the big boys. So they're, they're these sort of almost like feeder federations that feed into... In the same way Matchroom picked up, say, Lewis Ritson from the Northeast. You know, he was performing at a lower, a lower level in a sense of the shows he was on, was picked up by Matchroom because he performed well on theirs. Um, so these lads at Strike Force or Bamo, if they got called up in the away corner, say, for a UFC fight, I don't know how that works. Or if they perform really well on their show, then they might get picked up by UFC. So is, in a sense, is Matchroom a very, very, very small UFC model? Would would the only difference be if no, Matchroom... It's the same as football. You know, Matchroom is the number one stable in the UK right now, and they've got the biggest budget, in theory, <laughs> so they can pick up who they want. The same as Man City. But so I think the difference is UFC control 
what happens in the UFC. I'm just trying to think of like how from again from coming from my casual perspective what would you've been saying this for two years i i, I don't know like i like think <laughs> think what you can learn to do in two years you can't still be casual after <laughs> yeah. two well anyway from that certainly the perspective of most uh key indicators i.e not knowing what boxing shows are called so, so to speak what would what would get what would garner my interest and what would garner my interest is one and you've said it before less weight categories <clears throat> And two, knowing, uh, having some sort of uh, understandable pool of weight categories. Uh, sorry, uh, what fighters are in those weight categories? And that, that's probably second nature to you guys. But like for me to be able to be interested in certain things, I'd be like, right, well, I need <coughs> to know who's going for that belt. And but the problem is, like, even if there's a pool, BoxRex, your pool, that will show you your top 20, top 50 uh, you know, within a weight category, but then you have to split that up. Well, like, oh well, they're with Eddie Hearn and they're with Frank Warren, yeah. so you can cancel those two out. But but and that's the. I mean, you've, it's not news for me to say that those sort of tribal lines are the biggest. But here's the with... thing: boxing relies on you not knowing that, because then I can sell you anybody, right? Yeah. If you knew yeah. who the top fifty welterweights were, and I brought in Slobodan Slobodan. And I told you, this guy is unbeaten, has had 17 knockouts. In your head, you're going to start ranking him higher than he actually is. If you actually knew, you'd be like, that guy's a bum. But isn't UFC proof that the alternative vision works better? It's a closed ecosystem, though, isn't it? So you've only fight for a UFC belt. And so is it impossible for it to be the same, for boxing well, so, to be so, the same? No, no, so here's an interesting thing. So there's a thing called the... Oh, God, I'm going to get the name wrong. Jose Suleiman Invitational Welterweight Trophy. Which happened over the weekend yes. at the start. Now, <clears throat> that is all WBC. Like, it's the WBC kind of under the... Sorry, it's under the WBC umbrella. It's in conjunction with the Vander Holyfield's Real Deal promotions. You know, they're trying a few new things. So it's five judges. So five judges adjudicate on it and all the scores are read out. So what that does is it gives you a better spread because if you've got... Two, a 2-1 two, split, so two guys think someone won, one guy thought not, that has a big bearing on the result. Whereas if you've got five judges and there's one fucking Adelaide bird, then you've still got four who are hopefully quite sensible. So that was quite interesting. They also use replays. So in the Van Heerden bout, they used a replay to determine if a cut was caused by a headbutt, which doesn't normally happen. <clears throat> so you've got that, you see, and when you've got something under your own auspices, you can introduce these sorts of measures. Because you're not having to deal with anybody else. So that might be where we're headed, where the governing bodies just say, we're going to keep things in-house. And then you get that kind of UFC. I suppose you add Paddy Gallagher who's on that, Irish lad, who uh, lost to Brad Solomon. Was it split decision? Um, which is a huge achievement, because like, he wasn't favoured going into that at all. So to get the split decision loss... Do you enjoy the fight? Does it? Nah, I didn't watch it. Don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did catch the results. So something like the World Boxing Super Series, it's, it's that's been so positively received, and they've they've created their trophy, the Muhammad Ali Trophy. If you had the World Boxing Super Series was its own beast, and in every weight category, and let's say I don't know, but let's say there's ten weight categories, and every one of those categories has a trophy at the end of it every say season or whatever, then you'd be able to go. 
I, I don't know. However, UFC it would it would become the elite. If if the World Boxing Super Series had an unlimited pot and said we can make anything happen, you'd you'd have guys still fighting for those piecemeal belts. No one would really care about the belts. You'd care about who was in that World Boxing Super Series. Because if you knew that the winner would make from end to end, the winner would make about fifty million. Let's see. I'm just picking numbers out the air here. What boxer wouldn't sign up for that? Because even if you get knocked out in the first round, let's say you get five million, that's yeah. more than they're going to get anywhere else. But it's about how do you get to that funding model where you can draw the best of the best? And I'd, boxing wouldn't allow it. This is the problem because of the way these contracts are structured. It will be so hard to do. Okay, let's move on. Uh, the Hobson Show, but Liam... probably probably the best show since the last Hobson Show <laughs> by a long way. Well, the best Hobson show since well, no, the last Hobson show. Well, no, the best show. boxing show, full stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I'd put this one slightly behind AJ Klitschko in terms of size, <laughs> impact, and actual significance for boxing. <laughs> That's just a bomb just dropped in there. <clears throat> Care to uh, interject mine? Not really. I was bored. Are we? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, was a great, it was a great card. Um, well, look, look it, it's... <laughs> The, the, the tragedy with the Hobson show actually is the plight of Liam Cameron. Um, I've talked about Liam a few times on here. You, people know his story. Damn good amateur. Boxed at the highest level. Like, short of boxing in the Olympics, there's not much more he could have probably done. But can't seem to get the fights. And this is the, and this is the annoying thing we talked about. I think it was Elliot Matthews. Was it Elliot Matthews, yeah. Who's off to go and fight for some some European you know, duty-free title, whatever the hell he's gone for. But instead of fighting Liam Cameron, will Tommy Langford fight Liam Cameron? These are the fights that, as fans, we should be demanding happen. Will they happen? Probably not. Why? Who knows? But it means Liam Cameron's just left on the sidelines kicking his heels. And But that's where Hobson needs to invest. If the money's there. I mean, I know it's easy for me to say, because yeah. I haven't got to fund it, but Nick Genman... No offense, great, Nick great Genman. Fighter. No offense to Nick Genman. Great chin. No, no one's ever done that to him before. No offense to Nick Genman. He's not very good. Um, you know, he lost the uh, the Southern Area fight to Grant Dennis. Great fighter. Um, he's not a great fighter, Grant Dennis. That's no offense. Great is a good term. Um, Grant Dennis is a, a reasonable fighter. Reasonable enough. Nick Genman, I feel, because he wasn't the original opponent by any means. They had somebody else lined up and I can't remember who it was. Nick Jenman took this at two weeks' notice after, I think, only about three weeks ago. He'd lost an IBO Intercontinental fight up in Birmingham. So he's boxing at world level. Oh, yeah, the IBO Intercontinental. <laughs> the king of the duty-free belts. Um, and so it was never really, never really much of a fight to get excited about because I know what level Jenman's at. Um, and then the undercard had Craig Derbyshire against somebody. Tommy Frank, was it? Was it? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't pay much attention because again, I know what Craig Derbyshire is. When you were saying earlier about you know people that are nicking a living, I'm not saying Craig does, but I know what level he's at. So to see that on TV, it didn't interest me at all. And and here here's I go back to what I said before. Line line up the hundred best boxes you can think of. You'd probably only willingly watch the first eighteen or so. Yeah. The rest of them, you're like, who are you? If Why there's nothing else on, I might watch you. But if, if you're in a competitive fight, I might stay watching. Yeah. But it's those 18 up here we really care about. And it's probably a message to all, to all promoters. If you don't have one of these 18, 
you're not selling a good product. Or if you don't have one of those 18, that's fine. But I don't necessarily want to see it on TV. Like, it doesn't have a home on TV. Like, Liam, put it on in a small hall, that's yeah, fine. And people can... Liam Cameron's a TV fighter. If, if we judge TV fighters by who we've seen on TV, Liam Cameron is a TV fighter. I don't fighter. have an issue with that at all. I'd like to see Liam Cameron, Chris Eubank. I'd like to see Liam Cameron, Elliot Matthews. Liam Cameron, Tommy Langford. Yeah. I don't want to watch on TV Liam Cameron, Nicky Gemman. Nicky, people don't realise Nicky Gemman might be a shout for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure he is in his hometown. No, he, he, was, he was dangerous. People don't realise. Well, watch what he goes on to do. I know he was on the running when Canelo pulled out. They asked about Nick Gemman. <laughs> but he was busy with Liam Cameron. Sorry, mate. I'm, uh, someone, someone can Google this and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Did Nick Genman ever box at a high level as an amateur? No idea. I know he boxes as an amateur. I see it on Facebook quite often. I'm friends with him on there. Yeah, I'd, I'd be uh, interested. I have mm. a feeling that he was a bit of a name. But, you know, he's, he's a reasonable enough fighter, so he beat Taylor Jones. Um, Taylor's gone on to win the Southern area. But that's the level that he's at, Nick. And that's no offence to him whatsoever, because we say it all the time, Nick. That's your level that's grand. But... You know, if Liam Cameron's looking to go on to bigger things, I don't need to see that fight. And that's where it comes down to what investment can they get behind Liam Cameron to make the next show worth my time watching. I, I, I'll put my two pence worth. I just, I don't think you can do televised boxing on the cheap. So I think you're left with a real binary choice of, I spend the money and I televise. I don't spend the money. I don't televise. Yeah, I don't. I agree. I don't. I don't think we should be caught between two stools. So, Ultimate Boxer shouldn't be on TV. Um, Frank Warren just about Hearn, yeah, because they put money into it. The pro the product has money, and that's the reality of it. So, when people say more boxing should be televised, it's, it's, it's nonsense talk. You shouldn't. I agree. You need a quality product to televise it because yeah. if not, I say there's two shows Friday night. They weren't great by any means, no. and like you turn on the Hobson one. And it was like going back to the 70s, watching it in an ice arena with tables that were quite um, widely separated. So you couldn't see where the TV shot was onto the ring. There wasn't really any crowd around the ring. And that looked, to me, it was like it, you may as well have had people smoking at tables kind of thing. It looked like that kind but, of but, but But in important business, you know, good to hear Chris Medley giving wisdom. Like, that was def definitely Hall of Fame cornering there. Yeah, he he called the shot that ended the fight. Like, look, you know, I'm always going to shine light on trainers I think deserve their credit. You know, we have guys like Dave Caldwell running around talking about what they've done. Doesn't hold a candle to someone like a Chris Smedley, a guy who really is boxing. So, and I, I know it sounds like I'm being facetious, but I always listen into what the corner is saying at any given point. I thought... Chris did a good job. And what I also like is if you notice, when all the fuss was kicking off about this, that, and the other, Chris Medley's walked off to go and console Nick Genman and say, well done, mate, you've done well. And then it wasn't in many of the pictures. He just disappeared, just, just kept his own counsel. And that's what you like to see in a trainer. Low profile, <laughs> but high impact. Well, good suit by Dennis Hobson as well. I quite like that. You know, I wish more promoters dressed up for the occasion. Okay, moving on. Um, this week has been dominated seemingly by the back and forth between AJ and Wilder on on Twitter, at least. I mean, you guys are more prominent on Twitter than I am, but every time I well, seem to well, go on... I don't know, you're, you're, you're getting this. To go on to Twitter. Yeah, apparently, are you sliding into DMs yet? No, no. Soon, soon. <laughs> Come the um, summer. Yeah, I, 
the few videos that he's put on, then suddenly everyone knows what's going on and and the fact that it's not a real it's not a real offer and then there's emails being spoken of that yeah, shall so we explain let's, let's fill it in yeah. yeah. Right. So you started off with twelve and a half million dollars being offered by Hearn to Deontay Wilder to fight over here by the sounds of it. And can we just add no contract was no issued. No contract. And then Wilder sends an email himself to Hearn and to McCracken and tells AJ to check your manager, check your promoter's email. $50 million. This comes after Andy Joshua is on a video saying, give me $50 million, I'll fight him. Up front. Yeah. Give me $50 million, I'll fight him. So they, <laughs> Wilder comes out and says, $50 million. There's your offer. And then that leads to this whole debacle over the last week of seemingly Eddie Hearn finding every way to answer every other question apart from, will you accept 50 million? And so... On what platforms? What, and what's right, 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 right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, yeah. this is how it works. And Shelley Finkel comes out and says, Eddie, like, stop the smokescreen. He sent an email to Eddie Hearn, and then he sent the same email to the press to publish it. Basically said, look, when you sent us an email, or when you sent us for um, Dillian White versus Deontay Wilder, you didn't send us a contract. You didn't send us the details. You just sent us a headline amount, and we said, no, that's not enough. And so you went home and you left it there. When you started off the negotiation for the Wilder-Joshua fight, you sent us a, a figure, and we said, no, we'll come back with our own figure. So there was never a contract given by Hearn to Wilder's team for either... Or proof of funds was another thing he was asking. Right, well, come on to this, because that's so fucking stupid. I know, right, So fucking (laughs) stupid. All right, continue. Don't let me me derail you yet. Go on, carry on. And so Wilder says 50 million. There you go. Now, in the same way that in my workplace, if somebody, you know, was sent a quote, the the initial, you know, the conversation, Andy, if you want to buy whatever it is that I work in... It's going to cost you 50 quid, yes or no. Now, if you say yes, brilliant, I'll send you a contract for it. I'm not going to send you a contract with 50 quid as like the amount because I've wasted my time. Because if you come back and say, I'll only pay 30, then I've got to rewrite the contract. I've got to redo it. (laughs) But, But more importantly, and I think this is a bit that hasn't been discussed. If you provide the offer, the terms and the details behind those terms... You're giving Hearn a blueprint to go off and make his own fight. When, when, I, when I offer, if I offer, like, look, Andy, 50 million for your guy to fight my guy. The minute you accept that offer in writing, it locks us in where now our talks are commercially sensitive. If you were to go off to Vegas and go, I know what you're charging yeah. on this date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Makes I know sense. that you've breached the confidence. I can't have those conversations until Hearn has accepted the 50 million offer so i can't actually write the contract oh no no I'll rephrase it i can't deliver the contract until he has accepted that offer and we're bound by commercial confidentiality and the point is for 50 million what they're saying is i'll buy anthony joshua for that one night for 50 million quid you at that point have no say and so people querying about oh you know matchroom sky that relationship like at that point, it's nothing because a Matchroom Sky relationship only adheres to fights within the UK. And so if they sign Joshua to that fight, and when I say that, there's also the Matchroom USA stuff. So, of course, that is handled through Sky. Oh, we'll come on to that. But if you sign Anthony Joshua for that fight, at that point, Eddie Hearn is signing over the TV rights as well. 
And so... Is he, al- is he able to do that? Exactly. Is he allowed to do that? I'm not entirely sure. It depends on what his terms are with Sky. I've, I think we've said it on the podcast before. <laughs> yeah, here we that, go. That there is a contract that has Anthony Joshua's name on it. Here we go. That has maybe Barry Francis, maybe James Murdoch, depending on the level of seniority required. Then a few other guys. Then a lot of Joshua's team. And somewhere at the bottom is Barry Hearn's signature. And maybe witnessed by Edward Hearn. I have a feeling that Sky have picked up on this and went 50 million in America at four o'clock in the morning where we're only going to sell 250,000 pay-per-views. Are you having a laugh? We're never accepting that. I think that's where we are at the moment. So I think you've got the problem that Hearn has to appease Sky. He can't. You know, he runs a risk. If he signs, or whoever signs his contract and says, Joshua, you're off. You can fight in America 50 million. Hearn takes his, what, 10% cut, 5 million quid. He runs a risk then of pissing Sky off because Wilder's team, so we'll come on to his team in a minute. That's a separate conversation entirely. But Wilder's team have every right to then auction off the fight. So they can auction. Sky could get brought into a bidding war against BT, against... Um, ITV against Channel 5 pay-per-view. All those platforms have now got to say they can buy the Anthony Joshua fight. And so Sky, you know, Sky, we've discussed it before, their money out of boxing predominantly comes through Anthony Joshua and the pay-per-views. If they lose that headline, that marquee name in Anthony Joshua, they're not going to be happy with Hearn that he's potentially going on to BT Sport or they've got a bid against BT Sport. And the elephant in the room. They are believe Wilder knocks Joshua out. And so what they say is he goes over there, gets starched in the sixth or seventh round, and I, we'll have a chat about Anthony Joshua and how to beat him when we come on to the Miller fight, I'm sure. But you have Anthony Joshua go out to Vegas and get starched like proper Manny Pacquiao, Juan Manuel Marquez, right? There's no money for Joshua over here. There's no money at all. So Sky effectively saying, we'd have lost our prize asset for nothing. So do you really think Hearn can call the shots here? Uh, what we're watching, I think, is one of... The, I'm not going to dwell too much because I know Mike wants to touch this. You're watching two seasoned veterans <laughs> over in America. Back in a young rookie. <laughs> moving chess pieces all over the board like, like an octopus with eight hands. And I think there are two reasons for this. Number one, they don't want him in America. I think that's the message. It's, we don't want you in America. So we're going to take away the thing that gives you validity in America, which is AJ. And we'll put money up for that because we don't need you making noise. And if you want, in, if you want my opinion about what triggered it, it's when he comes over to America and says, Danny Jacobs will make real money with me. Now you're basically saying Al Heyman's fucking, you know I mean, not doing his job properly. So... <laughs> I think Hearns picked a battle he can't win. He's going to have to put Joshua in this fight. And it's not going to happen in the UK. Get used to that. Um, and the, the problem yeah. is as well, like it's not only Sky. I wrote a piece about this the other day. It's StubHub as well. You've got two major commercial partners to Matchroom, Sky and StubHub. If he fights over in America, StubHub are now suddenly losing out on 80,000 seats that they can sell at Wembley, plus 20,000, 30,000 resale seats. An average cost of £8 per booking fee, £9 per booking fee. 
you're looking at about a million quid in total. The StubHub won't be getting out of Anthony Joshua. They're not just commercial partners to Matchroom. They are sponsors of Anthony Joshua as well. So you've now got this problem. Anthony Joshua, I suspect, is chomping at the bit. He said, like, almost laughingly, like, 50 million. If someone's going to pay me 50 million, I'll go there. As if, like, 50 million was a figure nobody's ever going to come up with. And then they've come up with it. <laughs> like the Neymar transfer. Yeah, like, someone <laughs> went 120 million. They went, yeah, right, brilliant. Um, <laughs> no, what was it? What was it? If someone meets us buyout clause, we don't, there's nothing we can do. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Just give us two hours. <laughs> Let me look down the back of the sofa. Right, no, there's 120. No, no, not, not, not only give me two hours, but watch how we do this deal and basically fuck you guys over. <laughs> so, because you remember, it was an absolutely brilliant deal, wasn't it? It was Neymar. We won't give you 300 million quid to be the ambassador for Qatar 2022, <laughs> right? We need you every year for this. We need you to promote the World Cup in Qatar. Now, with that 300 million, we're merely going to recommend you buy yourself out <laughs> of your Barcelona contract for 225 million. Come and work alongside our team in Paris and have a bit of a kick about for a season, you know, or four. You keep the rest of that money, that 75 million quid, you keep. <laughs> Your yeah. services to but, the Qatar World but, Cup. But, but we just want to make sure that Paris Saint-Germain get one of the best free transfers ever. And Barcelona are sat here thinking they were smart and they got outmaneuvered. So, so hopefully, Eddie Hearn will get outmaneuvered and we'll see Joshua versus Wilder. So what you've got, you've got Joshua, I suspect, and say, Rob McCracken. And Team Joshua. I suspect every one of them is on the phone to New York, is in New York, is doing whatever they can, trying to make sure this fight happens. Because they want the fight to happen. Because A, they want the fight to happen, and B, they want 50 million. <laughs> it's only going to be Hearn that's like, right, fuck, if this happens, I annoy lots of people. And I don't want to annoy lots of people. I want to keep those relationships sweet. Joshua, don't forget that Joshua video where he said 50 million quid, you give me 50 million quid, we'll take the fight. He's, Joshua's painted into a corner here. At 50 million, he has to fight. Or he will always be known as the guy that ducks. And if he says no, and Wilder, well within his rights, says, do not ask me to fight again. We've, we've tried to make the deal. We're not interested anymore. Fantastic. He doesn't have to worry about matchroom blockers on the WBC route anymore because the WBC took care of Dillian White. Another, that, was the, that was the chess move that made this beautiful. It was so when, explain, explain, please. So, so if you remember, for ages, <laughs> Hearn told us Dillian White was mandatory. Yeah. But if you remember on this podcast, we talked about Deontay Wilder having that skirmish with Brazil, and we said the way they'll resolve it is Brazil will fight for Wilder's title. That, that fight will happen. Brazil will become mandatory. Forget Dillian White. He's not relevant. Now, Heyman, Finkel, both or one or the other have gone to the WBC and said, look, Dillian versus Luis Ortiz, great fight. Hearn will have to make that fight, right? <laughs> I love this. Hearn will have to make that fight in the UK. That's a big fee for you. Brazil versus Wilder, big fight. You remember the backstory? Big money for you. You get two fights for big money. If Wilder can get past Ortiz, uh, Dillian White can get past Ortiz, he can fight him, but he has to get past Ortiz first because Ortiz did well. And now Suleiman's like, you know what? Yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> Hearn shows me no love. Yeah, Hearn shows me no love. I don't get that Joshua money. So let me get that Dillian White money. Let's see if the money is real. So once that move was made and the blocker was gone, and don't forget, Wilder has a year before he has to fight another mandatory because Ortiz was mandatory. So Wilder's got all the time to make this fight happen. That's why you hear Wilder talking tough now because he can fight whoever the hell he wants. Okay, so I have a question something we've touched on before Joshua's contract with Eddie Hearn comes up Slash. August time July right. August time now am I am I talking nonsense if, when I'm suggesting the fact that if nothing's arranged by then Joshua could just do what he wants anyway I would imagine he's probably re-signed already I don't know I don't know uh, that might be that might be him I'd imagine he's signed he, yeah because it would, not- it would feel to me like that would that would make it more even more of a powder keg in as much as Eddie Hearn would be thinking right I need to make this. if I want him to sign with me again I need if to make signed this with Heyman. that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean if he hasn't signed let's assume for a second he hasn't then he's going to be chomping at the bit for this 50 million dollar fight Hearn's seemingly putting blockers on that's going to cause a bit of tension when it comes to does he sign or does he not but Hearn says about all these meetings that he's been trying to chase in New York. He said, I was trying to get a meeting with uh, Finkel, trying to get a meeting with Al Heyman, and they've all kind of cancelled them. Um, Where has he said the What platforms has he said said all this? IFL, the boxing voice, everywhere. He hasn't been Twitter, has he? (laughs) I wouldn't know. Um, So he said he's trying to chase all these meetings. My guess is these meetings are happening. They're just not happening with Eddie Hearn. My guess is that these phone calls are happening... There's stuff happening out there. I just, I don't think Eddie Hearn is necessarily privy to everything that's going on. And I think there will be people, representatives from Joshua's team. So so let's remember, Shelley Finkel did the Klitschko side of the deal. Shelley Finkel was in the Klitschko camp for AJ Klitschko. So Shelley Finkel knows the modalities of getting things done in the UK. He knows exactly who to talk to. And he said, when you sent the offer to Klitschko, you didn't send a contract, you sent an offer. And then we said no, and then we discussed the amount, and then we agreed the amount, and then you sent a contract. Yeah. So I, you, I saw that shit. I saw that worded email, yeah. Yeah, so, so in essence, Shelley Finkel is also enough of an elder statesman, enough of a power broker in American boxing, that you're talking to Barry Francis. You're not talking to Eddie Hearn. You're talking to Barry Francis or Barry Hearn. So there are conversations happening. And I imagine that the conversations are like this. Wilder will fight AJ anytime. And Barry Hearn will be like, wow, well, got to get this Povetkin thing out of the way. Sounds like the tracksuit brigade. Well, Barry's part of that, yeah. <laughs> Ron for lad and that. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, well, so... so so Barry's got to come back with, we've got mandatories to take care of. And look, and I, I imagine Barry's honest and goes, it's a dangerous fight for AJ. It ruins his commercial potential if he loses. We might need to drag this out a little bit more. I imagine there's that honest conversation between two men who have seen a fair few wars in boxing. And they've just gone, look, it's not the right time for us. The money's all great. The opportunity's great. Let's let it build up a little bit for even more money. And let's talk again at the end of the year. I imagine those, but imagine those sorts of conversations are happening while, I, while Eddie Hearn is allegedly getting rent boys and <laughs> prostitutes. Can I, can I throw in a theory? Those conversations have happened. Those conversations happened probably January, February, March. 
we'll do it next year. We'll, you know, we'll sort this out next year. Let it build, let it become more valuable. And then Eddie and AJ went and opened their mouths and started fucking off about Wilder saying, oh, we'll fight him next. We'll take this, that and the other. So I think they probably called his bluff. I think there probably was an arrangement that this happens next year. And then they've gone, well, if you're going to call us out like that, then fine, let's do it. And Here's the amount you asked for. Let's go. And and look, for all the the cornflake crunches on Twitter who are like, where's all the money in? Where's all the bloody money? <laughs> I'm never going to know one, where this reference comes from. Number one, Al Heyman and Finkel just need to go to Vegas and go, guys, right? We're going to have it in the T-Mobile. Here's our pricing structure. Do you want to front us 30 million? Showtime, we're coming to you with this. Do you want to front us 20 million? Uh, Showtime go, can we just do 10? Heyman's like, I still got 10 from PBC. We can put our guys on that card now. Bang. The 50 million is the easiest thing to make happen. This fucking drives me insane. The amount of people. And it's only because, only because Hearn said, well, they haven't shown us where the money's coming from. So you get all these fucking idiots on Twitter going, well, where's the money coming from? It's like, I'll tell you what, why don't you go to your boss on payday and say, where's the money coming from? You don't do that, do you? You probably haven't got a job, you fucking... <laughs> um, but where did the money come from for Mayweather back. Pacquiao? Yeah, doesn't. No, no, but where, does the, where did the money come from Mayweather Pacquiao when the guarantees were posted? When Mayweather McGregor, the guarantees were posted? But why don't these people say, you know when um, uh, Parker earned seven million pound or whatever it was, yeah. nobody... Started going, where's the money, Eddie? Where's the money coming from? <laughs> Not one of these little matching dick fucks started going, oh, where's the money coming from, Eddie? They only do it because Eddie said, where's the money coming from? That is not your problem. It's not my problem. I don't give a fuck if it comes from selling orphans. I genuinely don't. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Like I don't care where that money comes from. That'd be a lot of orphans. And, 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 they don't fetch a lot of money, orphans. But, but, no one but, wants them. But let's be honest. But... but <laughs> No, no, but let's be brutally honest here. Hearn could have been smart and he could have said, right, my way out of this is to hawk this fight to anyone with a bit of money. Like, look at the Saudis. The Saudis will pay 100 million for that fight. Someone in the Middle East will pay 100 million for to that fight. To do it fight. on a boat with like six people watching. Yeah. Private party. Yes, there's, there are people with enough money and enough interest in establishing national prestige to pay for that fight to be there. There's like, there's... You're, he is part of a world, even if he is at the fringe looking in. This is Eddie Hearn I'm talking about. He's he's in a, a at least like I say through the looking glass of a world of privilege where money is fucking yes. everywhere, and he has the front to say, "Where's the money?" Like he's like fifty million in the grand scheme of things is fucking peanuts yep. to some of these people. And let's also not forget, Shelley Finkel has been there through the Mike Tyson days. Al Heyman has been there through the Floyd Mayweather days, the Beyonce days. Like these guys <laughs> have access to money. These guys have never. Like, tell me a time when a Floyd Mayweather contract has ever been dodgy, where they've said, we'll pay the opponent $10 million, and it's turned out dodgy. Tell me one. No. There isn't one. There isn't one at all. So to start questioning the validity of an offer, and that's all it is, an offer of $50 million from a Shirley Finkel and from an Al Heyman, to question the validity of that shows that people, the people that don't... um, or <laughs> The people that will question the validity of it are people that are 
Eddie Hearn fans. They don't understand where these other people are in the sport. And and, and, and this is a purely a delaying tactic from Hearn, presumably. It's a smokescreen from Hearn. It, it, it's, he, he needs to kill the story because he wasn't expecting this to happen. He was probably there watching this AJ video going, Should've, dick should have gone 80 dickhead yeah he's just sat there going that's not what we agreed you dick you know AJ was there like I know Eddie it's told diff- me a number yeah like <laughs> it's difficult though because it, it, yeah, it 50 million like Barcelona probably think to themselves with the name I said wow damn it we should have made that we should have made his gal clause 300 million no then, no no no, made- no 225 was an amount no one thought was possible I accept that but when they lose Neymar they're probably thinking we should have made it larger as, as you would naturally if someone's been taken off you. Same as uh, well, no, Andy what's, Joshua in this scenario. What, what's but, Ronaldo's? 1.3 billion. If, yeah, if you, if, you, <laughs> if you make it something ridiculous and then someone comes and gives you that ridiculous. But that was ridiculous. Yeah, but then, then you think, you're naturally going to think, oh, I should make Not it more. Not ridiculous enough. But then, yeah, but then when someone gives you that more, which, you know, yeah, well, it's, yeah it's just, it's, yeah, I like you say. Well, okay, so bringing it back on track, we said this would happen no earlier than 2019 well, I said if it doesn't happen this year it never happens oh, okay all right why because because the mandatory situation gets so messy in 2019 it, it, it's going to be absolutely horrible remember we said this Hearn had lined everybody up Povetkin was lined up Miller was lined up Dylan White's getting lined up yep those three there takes us a year and a half down the line and he's done all of his mandatories, and that's Hearn's defense, while there doesn't get a look in. So it has to happen this year. All right, so how does this end? What do we expect? Riddick Bo, Lennox Lewis. <laughs> hope, without the binning. Hope and expectations. I actually don't want the fight to happen. I just don't give two fucks. Fuck off. No, no, no honestly. honestly and that's just uh, no, mental. No, 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 no. It's that, actually more entertaining that it doesn't happen than it does happen. It's not, though, is it? <laughs> no, 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 and here's, no, 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 and here's why. Because you know Team Joshua want to go for all four belts, right? And it means everything to their brand, and they've probably got a fucking 112-slide PowerPoint deck about AJ as the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world and how much money they could make. Wilder sat at home in Tuscaloosa, Alabama going, I have more money than I ever dreamt of. I can look after my family. I have no real running costs. I can make two and a half, three million dollars every fight now until I retire. And then when I retire, maybe give the belt to Tyson Fury. Forget Joshua. Joshua's just going to be like Lennox Lewis. He's going to be like all those other guys that held two or three of the belts. It's nothing special. But I would have been that guy that ruined his legacy. But, Deontay but has all the chips in this game. But you're convinced that Wilde will beat AJ anyway? Comfortably. So then... No, so no, no. no. Ne- never be to... Stop, stop. Never use that argument of, oh, if it's going to be easy for him, why doesn't he just No, do I'm it? not saying that at all. But if you're convinced that he's going to... If Wilder's going to beat AJ, then sitting back is surely... Is surely not a valid reason to ruin his legacy when... There's no question that Wilder could make his legacy greater by becoming an undisputable. You're assuming he cares. The the driving factor for Joshua seems to be money. I don't necessarily think. I mean, legacy comes alongside it, but I think it's money. Certainly, that's what he spat off about in the past. Yeah. So when they talk about you know holding all the belts, that's a huge market employee. Yep. That brings money in, and so for Joshua. That's what it's about. For Wilder, you see Hearn do these interviews going, 
He's only earning two and a half million, three million dollars for defence. Like, oh no, bless him. Only three million dollars. Ah, oh. so okay. Say he makes ten of those defences, thirty million dollars. The geezer doesn't need thirty million dollars. Nobody needs thirty million dollars. And so, okay, Joshua may earn ten million a fight, and he'll have a hundred million dollars at the end of it. Nobody <laughs> needs that much but, money, and I think Wilder yeah. is almost the the less money driven of the two. And 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 here's the thing. Wilder is worth more to Joshua than Joshua is to Wilder. Because if Wilder beats Joshua, you imagine his life won't change that much. Because I don't think there's a big commercial machine behind Wilder to endorse stuff. The Americans are very funny about large black males who are known for violence. As we know, he'll be lucky if he doesn't get killed by the police. But Joshua needs this, that, that whole entourage of hangers-on and do-gooders and ne'er-do-wells, that whole entourage of people that leech off this Joshua machine need that wilder money. They need that, that brand money so when he can get the Rolexes and the so, tags uh, would, to endorse it. Wouldn't you like to see that no. be snatched away from him? Well, it's so, it's not going to happen anyway, right? Because if the wilder fight doesn't happen, who are you fighting? Povetkin, steroid head. Uh, who's next? Jarrell Miller. Just, just fucking the worst example of Weight Watchers ever. Uh, Dillian White, another convicted drug cheat. They're, they're more uncomfortable questions for Joshua. But what it also means is if the Wilder fight's off the table, they have to beg Fury for that fight. Otherwise, there's no career fight for Joshua. Whereas, now here comes a beautiful bit. <laughs> Fury versus Wilder is a massive fight. That needs to happen away from Sky, away from Hearn, away from the cornflake crunches. It happens and it's every bit as big a fight. And who's promoted the name of Deontay Wilder over here brilliantly? Eddie Hearn. Yeah. <laughs> so Fury, Fury's there like, you do all my work for me. I don't mind which one of these, oh, which one of these two bums I fight. Any one of these bums. He doesn't care. Fury doesn't care which one of those two he fights. He's going to get 40, 50 So like a well-written WWE uh, script, do we see Fury coming in and just beating both of them and becoming undisputed heavyweight well, champion? I've seen Fury fighting Wilder. And I, I, see, I see that being very easy to make because Finkel and Warren have dealt with each other before. So there's no drama. Do you see what I mean? So the odd man out in all of this is Joshua because Wilder has alternate dance partners because he's network agnostic. Shouldn't use that word, sorry. Whereas Joshua is Sky, Fury's BT. These guys have to find a way of doing business together in the UK market, which would be really intense. So this is the Wilder fight is easier for both of them to make. Can I just chuck one final point? Because I guess we're probably getting towards the end of this. Yeah. Hearn has gone on for the last month, two months on IFL interviews, where he's talking about um, Shelley Finkel. Shelley Finkel's a 70-year-old man. A 70-year-old man. He's been doing this he sport... He doesn't know nothing, mate. He's been doing this sport <laughs> since before Barry pumped Eddie into his mother. Right? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh. No, he has. <laughs> I don't care. He has. <laughs> Deal with it. Isn't anything. You could have given me a year. <laughs> don't care. Wait, wait, wait. And if Anthony Lever's listening, highlight that bit. Don't care. Right. He's been doing it for that long. <laughs> And then you've got Eddie Hearn doing these IFL interviews where he's talking 
and he's changed Shelley Finkel's name to Shirley in these interviews. And he refers to him now and he says to Coogan, like he tries to stop Coogan and makes Coogan do the same, to Shirley Winkle. It's a 70-year-old man. You're like, you're trying to take the piss out of his name. You're trying to, you're basically trying to bully him like on social media. I think you absolute fucking cretinous helmet at times. Like, and then you get the people that are on Twitter. I saw one earlier where somebody had said, what a great week for Eddie, like using Shirley Winkle, such great banter. Are you are you actually like have you well, had a lobotomy? There are morons out there. <laughs> no, no, but no, no, they aren't. Th- those are like those are matchroom controlled accounts. I don't know whether it's direct control or via a third party. Whenever the ones who get the tickets, yeah, whenever Hearn does something, they're straight in there. That's why when you want to respond to Hearn, you've really got to catch it like within the first minute and just hammer him because that'll be the first thing people see. Just hammer him because I've done it before. Where I've just hammered him immediately. And then my notifications go apeshit with people telling me why I'm wrong. <laughs> and shout out to Big Russ, because he told me, because if you look at their Twitter handles, they don't make much sense. They're not any handle that any human being They're normally Dave1684559312113. Yeah. Um, but I say just such an absolute act of disrespect. And then he comes on bitching this week about the fact that, oh, I'm trying to get meetings with Shelley Finkel... Shirley Winkle, whatever he refers to him as in that interview. Um, I'm trying to get interviews and they're cancelling interviews. Do you know what? Even if they are, good. And hopefully teach you some respect, you little ragamuffin. That you, You're coming along as this child into it with a load of adults. And you're being a little like piss taking he's uh, he's he's too used to bullying people in the UK. Yeah. And he's I think he's now realized that that American market A is harder to crack than you thought, B not as lucrative as you thought. And bigger than you. Oh by far. <laughs> There's some real sharks in that market. Man. Think how many boxes have been screwed over in America that you would never believe. There's some real sharks in there. Like, he's lucky Don King's chilling right now. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, the MTK show. And you want no, to talk no, about no, 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 no. And I'm going to tell you why. You don't want to talk about it. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put it out there because right. um, this has been bugging me for a while. You remember we did the commentary there. We excelled. We set the bar incredibly <laughs> high and it hasn't been touched. Oh, dear. It hasn't been touched. No one was better dressed. No one was more professional. No one brought more heat, entertainment and fun. The audience wanted us there. The fighters want us there because they listened to this and they know what we're about. Now, when they didn't go with us for the next fight, I understood. I said, maybe they want to be more corporate. They're trying to, they're in a rush to get to Sky. So they had that, is it Andy Clark, Andy yeah. Scott? Yeah, that donut. And I don't know him personally, but he's boring as fuck. I don't want to hear his commentary. <laughs> he and did that, the ultimate boxer. So he did two in two days with Coogan. Maybe they drove together. So, so you've got that and you've got Peter McDonough. I like Peter McDonough. He's a nice guy. And Peter knows his stuff. So I'm like, okay, I can see where this is going. Cool. This one has got, I caught it where it had this Andy Clark and Coogan Cassius. And Coogan is not the most articulate of people. He hasn't got a great voice for any forum. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he mumbles and stumbles. Me. And I don't like, like his I don't mouth's know. half full of Play Doh yeah. or something. No issue with Coogan. <laughs> like, look when, I, when I see him, we, look, when I see him, we say hello to each other and stuff. He's not a commentator, he doesn't bring that heat and that energy and that excitement. And then you're just picking people out of the audience. I fucking, I love Uma. But Uma then ends up there. I don't think they'd asked him prior to that. And I'm thinking to myself, 
this isn't serious. This MTK thing is not serious. And therefore, if it's not serious, I don't want to be involved. I'm not watching it. I'll watch Dan Aziz and I'll stop. Because it's a waste of my time. 80% of that card's a waste of my time. And they know that. We all know that. It's a waste of all of our time. So, they need to work out how serious they are. We could have had a, like a good collaboration. Maybe, you know, maybe someone got in their ear and said, you can't have these guys on there. Okay, so tell people why this isn't sour grapes. Um, it's not sour grapes because they haven't enhanced the product. If, if they had done something better than we could have done, I'd be here honestly going, I like what they've done with this product. And actually, to be fair, the first one they did with that Sophia... Someone or other. We're memorable. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> the unforgettable. I don't know. They're her and that Andy Scott, whatever his name is. Andy Clark. Um, and as you said earlier, like if they're taking that as a template and then we're going to run with that, that works. Yeah. That's a, a professional setup. To have half of that and then half of a, a raffle and then see whose number gets picked out and you can come and have a go just seems a... A bit, a bit haphazard. I, I could... <laughs> I didn't watch it. I'll watch most boxing on most platforms, providing I'm awake. I don't watch American stuff. I wouldn't watch that on Saturday night. Not because of, you know, like sour grapes. You say, Andy, which some people, I suspect, would say, rightly so. You know, oh, you suddenly got sour grapes. Not about that. It's just, A, the card wasn't very appealing. And it would have been, if C.R. Osgood, Danny Connor still headlined as it was meant to, I'd have tuned in for that. But B, I saw about this lineup of, of commentators and... That's not a serious thing. No. That's not a product. No. You know, you, you get behind someone and go, you three, you're going to do all of our shows. And that, for, that would have forced us to every time up our levels. We'd have got better at it. We'd have nailed it. Oh, well, not us. Say it's not anyone, us. Anyone, yeah. Say it's Sam and Craig at Fight Talk. Get Sam and Craig on. I think they were involved in doing the Instagram stuff. Give them a go, MTK. Give them a go at doing the commentary. You, just, and stick with it. If you're going to yeah. do it, stick with it. Give someone... Who's incentivized to make it work the opportunity? If you're a boxer, you have no incentive to make it work. You're a boxer. You have an incentive to make boxing work. It's that simple. And you have an incentive to boost your profile. Yeah. Well, or, or look, with that MTK show, man, like, we can do that. Like, who's going to talk about Dan Aziz the way I can? No one. Let's just be brutally honest. Because guys are there and they've had to Google who Dan is. I don't have to Google who Dan is, for example. I, I would. I would. Yeah, but that's why you sat next to me. And that's why I'm probably not there again. <laughs> <laughs> that so, was, it was the waistcoat. Fr from, <laughs> me, from me, MTK, you're probably best not hiring me because I don't but, know but, but, look, So in <laughs> that's probably a correct decision. <laughs> so in relation to MTK, all I saw was the Dan Aziz fight. How I timed it like that, I have no idea. But I saw the Dan Aziz fight and everything I've said about him, and yeah, I know people are all jumping on the bandwagon now, but everyone knows where it was first mentioned here where I said, this guy could be something. And he, you have to remember, he's quite embryonic in his pro career, but wow. The, the way he was snapping, I don't even know who the guy he was fighting, but the way he was snapping his head back with shots, and it didn't even look like he was trying. Do you know when someone's boxing, and they almost look guilty for the pain they're inflicting? He's like, I don't, I don't really want to do this, but yeah. I've got to. Like when Dave Allen knocked out Tom Dallas by yeah. accident. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, no, or, or when Tyson wobbled that guy and then had to carry him do you remember that yeah. in the charity fight yeah yeah <laughs> chins him the guy goes boom he goes to drop and Tyson's like no 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 and holds him up and basically dances with him around the ring until he's got his feet back 
But now look, Dan looked Dan looked good. He should definitely keep the shorts. The shorts are coming to define him now. But no, Dan Aziz looked good. I genuinely think we're we're building to a fight. I don't know whose card this will be on between Dan Aziz and Andre Sterling. And when that happens, buy a ticket. You need to hear those punches land in person. I promise you, they're two strong, tough men who can actually box. It's not going to be pub fights. It's going to be two very smart men in the ring. So got a lot of love for Dan. Um, the, the hand speed's quickening up. The power's still there. Honestly, get behind him because we haven't seen a fraction of what Dan's capable of on and off in the ring and out of the ring. Just get behind him. Get excited about him. You know, I wish he, I wish the social media game was sharper. Then you guys would realize that actually Dan's Dan's a future star. In in much the same way, Martin, you talk about Linus Adolfia, and, and and there are those 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 things you can't really put your finger on. But when you see them all in combination, you're like, this guy stands out. And I think I put Dan Aziz in that category. So you know that was the only highlight of the MTK show. I don't need to mention anything about them again done okay moving on Bradley Skeet for Terry <laughs> uh, lost his shouldn't shit. no no I shouldn't I shouldn't, I shouldn't. Um, I shouldn't British Boxing Blog asks simply where does Bradley Skeet go now actually they said uh, for the three men and the dog recording the pod <clears throat> Harvey's not in today <laughs> Harvey's this, on a this, secret this, mission this, 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 for CIA you don't realise Harvey won Croft in seven times darker. in a row he did yeah. he's undisputed yeah <laughs> under four different breeds that's how good he was yeah he was gonna come but i only sent him an offer he needed a contract (laughs) and so he he fucking refused rightly so rightly so he said on twitter i'll do it i'll show me where the money's coming from (laughs) and i said i'll do it for 60 mil and you no he didn't he goes show me where the bonio's coming from he said he'll do it for 60 mil gallagher jumped on it Yeah, but what happened? What happened, what happened to the offer? Escape for Harvey. Okay, moving on. Uh, look, um, uh, yeah. Look. So right, so he asked about Bradley no, Skeet. We need to talk about the fight. Let's go. First and foremost, shouts out to the Earlsfield Boxing Club guys that went out to support their ex club mate. Yes, guys like Paul Simmons, Dan, Dan Parker, and that. I really respect that because Bradley Skeet, we've said this on the podcast, is the kind of guy who still goes to amateur shows. He will still be at an Earlsfield show in a corner. He might hand out some trophies, but he's always there to be talked to. He's really approachable. And he's also, he's the kind of guy that those people who are in his gym that are coming through, so the ones that are are making their debuts, he'll be with them. He'll go to their changing room. He'll do the ring walk with them. He'll be in their corner. That's a touch of class. Agreed. But on a serious note, he had his soul taken from him, man. Oh, no. Wow. Like, you know, when you are talking to guys who were there and they just said it was like walking into the gates of hell. Because I don't know if anyone saw the fight, but the lighting looked like hell. Everything there just looked like if hell was on earth, it would have been that. And these guys are just baying for blood. And then this guy comes out with like the kind of Costa Zoo hair thing. And at this point, you're like, I hope he's not like Costa. And let's remember, this didn't start until local time, about half past 12, midnight, yeah. maybe 20 past. And so these guys have been riled up. And like this Bill Bell crowd out in Spain, as Terry says, I've seen footage before. <laughs> I've seen footage from this venue before where people have had their ring walk, where they've just come down with bikers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like bikers just going down a fucking <laughs> aisle. 
Like these people, they it's, have very little care for health and, and safety. And, and everyone forgets like the Basque region is really interesting because I think like their regional sport is just rock tossing. That's the kind of people they are. They just throw rocks. Um, like the Scots with cabers. You look, in, in, like, Shout out to Scotland. The Spanish, when they pick their rugby teams, pick all their forwards from the Basque region, as do the French. It is just meathead country. And into that walks flimsy old Bradley Ski, like all six foot one. You say walks, jogged. Yeah. And he had his hands on the shoulders of the man in front who had the hands on his... It was like um, a conga line. Like a daisy chain. Yeah, getting down to this ring. So let's start at this point. Start before that point, actually. We were told by Bunce that there was a problem backstage around... um, the, the other guy, the Spanish guy, Laraja. Laraja, yeah. He'd wrapped his hands without anybody witnessing it. <laughs> and so somebody, I think it was Andy Ailing, then uh, pointed this out. And so they had to reboot. What grass? <laughs> 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 Fucking grass. Um, and the circle is complete. <laughs> um, and so they, you know, similar to, and here we go, right? I'm going to be of a ranting session today. Sorry. Nice. We needed this. No, you know Not how, just you. He's on it as well. You know well. how when Tyson got double Fury, bubble. Tyson Fury fought Klitschko and they did all the away stuff. They put the extra padding on the ring. They wrapped the hands. Do you remember at the time you had John Fury there? You had Peter Fury there. John Fury was saying this fight's cancelled. Like this fight won't happen. Do you really want John Fury, a six foot three, six foot four traveling man, does not give a fuck about you? Do you want him <laughs> like roaring into your changing room saying like, stop that now, go and change that padding, take that wrapping off, I'm going to stand here and watch you do it. John Fury doesn't give a shit. John Fury will happily go and do that over in Germany. You look at who Bradley Skeet had with him last night. There was Al Andy Smith. Ailing, Al Smith, Eddie Lamb, Eddie Lamb, uh, and a, a mate they had there who was his one security person that led the way yeah. down to the ring. Um, they said the name of him on Box Nation. I just think that isn't a sufficient team to. Surely you'd have scouted out that place. You knew that place was a hellhole. First question: Where was Frank Warren? Bradley Skeet has been with Warren for so long. This is like one of your prized assets almost as Box Nation. Why was Frank Warren not there with him in some way? Um, and maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't visible. And if so, I apologise. But it didn't look like he was. And so do you really want that team of Andy Ailing, Al Smith, Eddie Lamb being your protection over there? Because Bradley Skeet's got to be switched on. That's a hard fight. He knew it was a hard fight. Bradley Skeet's got to be focused on the fight. Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm going to throw this in. I don't think they thought it was a hard fight. Because there was no indication that it was going to be a hard fight. There was nothing in his record that said he was anywhere near the level of Bradley. Otherwise, I don't think they would have taken that fight. But we all knew. I've never seen this lad, but I knew from his reputation. I think I'd seen a couple of little clips of him. That he was a roughhouse mauler, essentially. Um, And we'll come on to the fight itself later. But irrespective of who was stood on the other side, you've got to think about the chaos that would have been going on backstage, the chaos of trying to get to the ring to the point you've got to jog in a conga line to get there. Surely you need to bulk up that team, take over the the meatheads with you. You've got to take people that are appropriate for that environment. I, I don't think they did. And I think that's detrimental to poor Bradley going into the ring at that point because 
Where's where's the people fighting for all the other stuff whilst you're concentrating on on getting in there? Yeah, you shouldn't. As a fighter, you shouldn't hear any noise. Yeah, that's that, that's the mark of a good a good setup where you're just there and you're getting your hands wrapped, and two or three people have gone over to the other side and are kicking off. And let's be clear, and you might hear some chairs banging. Yeah, but you're like, that's all good. They're taking care of. And business. again, if you and know you've got John Fury in there, well, and there's chairs. I was going to say, unless you're a Fury, in which case, if it's nice and quiet, you're like. We need to kick off somewhere. But if you're hearing I... chairs banging, doors <laughs> slamming, people saying the fight's going to get cancelled, and you know you've sent John Fury in there, you're comfortable. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're sat like, in, a, in a nice <laughs> yeah, place. Like, ah, that's better. Yeah, but now it's not the job of Eddie Lamb, and it's not the job of Al Smith. They're the two people that are there to warm you up, wrap your hands, get you ready. And so then it narrows it down to, is Andy Ailing the person you've sent in there to do that? If so... What, what do you think? No, no, no. What do you think? I wish I had CCTV. <laughs> don't grasp, all right? Just don't grasp what I'm saying to you. That's, look, that's all my point is. Look, if you haven't got the appropriate people looking after Brad's best interests, then he's lost the fight already. Because you know he's going to get oh, fucked over he, out of the ring. He... Listen, he had his soul taken. Oof. He had his soul taken. You, you're watching the fight and Bradley Skeet, like it looked like he was having an epileptic fit. He was moving that fast and you could see something had got to him because there's no authority in the jab. And when there was no authority in the jab, I was just like... And that was the only punch oh. he threw. I was the like, only punch yeah. he threw. And I was like, oh... And he was throwing it as a, a half uppercut, like a corkscrew at times. But it wasn't doing anything. And he, he didn't... If, if this lad comes with the reputation, I knew about his reputation as being a, a roughhouser. So they must have known. And they must have seen the footage. You've got to tell Skeet, stick your authority on him early doors. But use that right hand. Like, well, stop him coming into your space. But here's what I found weird Skeet just circled to his left constantly. Time. And I'm there going, this guy's finding his distance for a right hand. He's. He, you do realise that, Brad, don't you? And I'm looking at his corner like, are you going to tell him to maybe go the other way? Yep. Because if you're going to stay behind your fucking jab, you might as well just go to your left. If you're not going to throw a right hand, just keep going to your right then. Just go right, fuck it. Because you know? the times he went to his right, he caught a lot of shots off the right hand himself. He was doing well. Yeah. But then when he went to his left... And, and then just that second round, when he got hit with that right hand, and the guy just rehearsed the move like three seconds before. He had thrown exactly the same combination and Brad had caught it. And you're like, okay, sensible. And then he tried to be clever and he drops his left to pull back, got hit on kind of the top of the head sort of temple area. Boom. And then, then the guy, he, he was like the, what, what was that guy's name? Andoni Goikachea, the guy that broke Maradona's leg, the beast of Bilbao. This guy just channeled the inner beast of Bilbao and hit him with a body shot that, like, somewhere in the Basque country is a jar with someone's liver. <laughs> I think it's Bradley Skeet's liver. It caught him right under the elbow. Right like, under the elbow. That, this is the off switch. And he was just like, fair play for getting up. Yep. That was Darren Barker-esque, yep. just getting up. But it was a matter of time after that. But then he got hit again and he semi went and yeah. you could see that he was thinking of going he's but like, yeah. he, he summoned everything he kept going and fair play then he gets caught with the exact same shot once again 
Probably not with the same venom as the first time, but it didn't need to. The resistance the same had venom. gone. You can only go to the well so many yeah. times. Yeah, and then the, the towel came in, and at that point, I sat and you felt for Skeet because, as we said at the beginning, we precursed this with Bradley Skeet as a, a lovely bloke and I have a lot of time and respect for him. Now the question needs to be asked: Why was Bradley Skeet in that Bill Bow arena? How do you lose a purse bid? I'm not even sure he went to a purse bid, did it? What, so they just said, yeah, we'll just come over? Yeah. How disrespectful is that? Yeah. I, like, I have a feeling that it never went to a purse bid. Like, he was a stand-in or something like that. Like, it was a rearranged... It was something along those cause, lines. Because he was sure. Spanish champion, and it was a vacant belt, wasn't it? Yeah, and I'm sure Bradley Skeet wasn't the original opponent. But for some reason, they've allowed <laughs> Skeet to go over there, and it just looked really poorly You're, thought out. You, but, no, no. But you've killed Bradley Skeet. Like, whatever Bradley Skeet had, right? You remember they were talking about Jeff Horn. The Jeff Horn would have ripped him apart based on that performance. So now you're looking at Bradley Skeet, like, what are you going to do with him? Just park him at British level and have him, what, just blocking Josh Kelly, Chris Congo and the like. But do you know what the other problem is? It was two and a half years ago he beat Sam Eggington. He schooled Sam Eggington. And he won that British title two and a half years ago. Like, what's he done in the last two and a half years? He's now 30 years old. If he'd have taken this beating two and a half years back, straight after winning the British, then you'd go, yeah, all right. Like, you can, you you can, can come go back. again. But now at 30 years old, I, there's nothing that makes me think Skeet can go again. And there was nothing there that you looked at and went, at least he still got power. Yeah. It was just, wow, as soon as you get inside this guy, it all falls apart. Yeah. And, and I, I know it sounds like I'm sticking it to him, but... I hurt for guys like Eddie Lamb, who's a friend of mine. I hurt for Brad, who's a guy that I've always got along with. I hurt for these guys. But boxing's a brutal sport. And if you're not taking care of the details, just know someone else is. And like that biker mouse from Bilbao, whatever the hell he was, just <laughs> like wowzers. Like he he looks like a guy that, you know what I mean? If you're hurt and you're like, Nah, Josh Kelly, we're not we're not going the European route. You don't need that phone call. Yeah, we're going WBA, right? That's where we're going. WBA route into a world title. No one's going to go near that guy now because if nothing else, for the first three or four rounds, he looks like hell on earth, but he can also do the distance. And he can bang. He can bang. Make no mistake about it. That, and people don't realize the, the speed of some of those hooks, even though they looked wild, they were coming fast. Fast, and I don't think they're not shots you get out the way of. They're shots you just hope you block. But I don't know, man. If you're Bradley right now, you're looking at your whole team, and you're like, "Do I need to just go back to the drawing board and start afresh? Do I need to go and train with Dominic Ingle?" Is what you're kind of asking yourself at this but point. But you'd be looking at it and say, "My career hasn't been managed well." That's if I were Bradley Skeet, I would be thinking, "Who would you lay the blame at that? Where would you lay the blame?" I don't know. Whoever maybe was the manager. Um, okay. Um, but no I'm just if it were me I would be thinking two and a half years ago I won that British title and now I'm in Bilbao getting my shit kicked in by a crazy little Spanish bloke who's levels above me right now I should have learned this two and a half years ago I shouldn't be learning it when I'm 30 okay so I best touch on a couple of questions that um, during that entire uh, skeet a-thon yes skeet-a-thon uh, perfect. They a lot of these questions got completely just uh, well negated, I suppose. Uh, Ricky Wright, shout out <coughs> to 
Sir MC Ricky Wright or MC Sir Ricky Wright. He becomes Wright. a VIP member. Yeah, he does, definitely. Nana McGinley's fucked off to Ireland. Yeah. It's vacant. There's only, it's a there's vacant only one tile. chair in there, yeah. <laughs> it's a really small VIP area. Um, would Skeet have beaten Horn if the fight was made instead of Cochrane based on what we saw last night? Hell fucking no. Uh, no, Horn's a little buzzard. He's a little... He'll get in around you and just tear into you. I don't think he's at that level we saw last night, but I still don't think Skeet could have been comfortable enough. I, look, you, everyone knows my views on Australian athletes. So, Jay, <laughs> I, I think if Horn, if Horn did the camp that we know he's capable of, it'd just be horrible. There'd be fists, elbows, headbutts. And as we saw, when it gets rough, Skeet doesn't know what to do. His second question, if you were Adam Booth, providing Kelly gets through his next fight, do you go the skeet route or the Lar- or Larajana? Larajana. Larajana. I'd avoid both. We'll I think skeet out. outboxes Josh Kelly. Jo- for all that fancy head movement, he's not mobile or aggressive enough to cause skeet <clears> those, <throat> the right sort of problems. If you can't, if you can't bang as hard as Le, whatever his name is, La Cucaracha, <laughs> then... That aren't the only one. Then, yeah, then then there's no. I mean, Skeet will sort of box your brains off. So here's the problem: if Josh Kelly could back up all that flash stuff, so when he gets into range, throw shots that were meaningful, then 100 percent he ought to go for Skeet. But as we saw in his last outing, he gets into range and doesn't really have an effect. I think everyone knows Josh Kelly's next fight will be Frankie Gavin. Do you yeah, reckon? Yeah. Yeah, look, Gavin's going for about a fiver now. You can get him up to Newcastle, right? He's on fiver. Yeah, it's just about whether he can make weight or not. But that's a big if. That's a massive if, actually. He can make loads of weight. Yeah. Just, just not 147. <laughs> okay, it seems like now is a decent time to plug the live show. Might as well. Buy your bloody tickets. <laughs> now. There we go. There we go. Moving on. <laughs> so, um... Martin, what is the lineup again for the for the podcast uh, for the live show? Right, so the main event, us three, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Undercard. So the undercard. <laughs> MC Ricky Wright will be introducing. So we're going to have Steve Goodwin, Linus Eudofia. We're going to have Hannah Rankin, um, who we wanted the female representation because we want female representation to discuss women's boxing. Hopefully, people have questions. As long as she brings her <laughs> sister. If not, like it's a. You're like, a big fan of her sister, isn't you? The, wait, 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 she lifted the sheep. Yeah, the one that just manhandled that sheep like it was nothing. <laughs> um, so Hannah's going to come along, so get questions together for women's boxing for Hannah. Um, and for other people, it doesn't just have to be Hannah that would, would take those questions. I'll answer them. Um, David Allen providing, we discussed it last week, it fits in with dates. And the last one that we've added this week is Clinton McKenzie, sort of former British European champion, um, trainer uh, he's trained his son Leon McKenzie and so I think we've tried to cover this time every aspect that you could possibly ask for within boxing so we've got the current in Linus Eudofia and possibly Dave Allen we've got the management promotional side from Steve Goodwin we've got the female aspect of Hannah Rankin um, you know we've got Dave Allen again from the current side of it and then we've got the kind of the retired uh, British legend, now trainer in Clinton McKenzie. So there's everything, hopefully, that people could want to cover in terms of questions um, that will be there. So July 26th at the Courtyard Theatre in London. 
and tickets are on ticketweb.co.uk or try ticketweb.com if that doesn't work. I can't remember which one it is. So a seamless transition and it's www.ticketweb.uk. It's not .co.uk. No. No, it's, it's a whole new, right. whole new thing. Check on my Twitter if needs be. Yeah, and if you're not on Twitter, then there you go. Go for that. Get on Twitter. Boxing. Live show, round two, <clears throat> ding, ding. And this time, we'll try and stop Terry from uh, just constantly grandstanding, getting on his soapbox. And, no, I no, can't fact, guarantee you know that. That's exactly, nope. what we'll, we'll, That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm just setting expectations now. <laughs> um, like, it, listen... I don't know. I might I might do a couple of lines live on the show just to rev myself up. <laughs> so lines, from, like... lines from Shakespeare, you mean? Yeah? Like just... No. <laughs> <laughs> Terry! <laughs> so the whole idea of this is that it will give people that opportunity to see what we do, see that we don't sit and Google everything, see that we're not Sky Sports for that, we're not Spencer Fearon for that, we're not Steve Buns for that. They'd be really surprised if I had <laughs> access to Google. <laughs> Can't he read or something? Um, so yeah, look, we just you know what we do is what we do, yeah, and um, it's that whole point. Like I think it's the one time, well, one of the two times a year you get to hold us to account yeah. for this stuff that we say. All the stuff, write down all the shit that we say that doesn't make any sense or that we're wrong about. Yeah, and bring it for along, me. Or, 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 or send it to Craig, Craig Richards, <laughs> and he can bring it along on your behalf. I, I uh, sure, I'm gonna ask him if he's coming. He should just, just I just want to know he's coming this time or not coming. No, no surprise appearances. So, yeah, and then the opportunity to speak with all those people that we listed before. Um, you know, grab your photos with them, Look, but ask them I, the questions. I, I will be, I will be selling signed apparel after the event. <laughs> so anyone who's Who are you interested, be pretending to be, <laughs> I'll sign it from anyone. <laughs> Want to tell your friends you've met Evander Holyfield? No worries, I've mastered yes. his signature to a T. How do you yeah. want to spell Evander? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I'm gonna be yeah, be selling apparel. So anyone who's interested, let me know. I mean, we can do you know, we can do the right prices. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Times are hard on the boulevard. <laughs> Last time it was a really good laugh. Oh, will we be will we be giving away Cheetos this time? Well, I don't know. We need to sort mm. that out, don't we? Yeah. Long man noodles. Long man noodles. <laughs> Can you imagine just scattering kettles around the... Uh, I'm not sure that's a good idea. People scream as they burn themselves. I've had to get public liability insurance sorted for this. Yeah. I yeah. haven't declared long man noodles and 40 kettles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Let us move on to America. Isaac Dogbo. Sam O'Reilly asks, should Dogbo be signed by a UK promoter now after earning his title the hard way? It being a WBO version could point one way. So flesh this out for us. Um, yeah, Isaac why, Dogbo. Why would a British promoter be interested in Isaac Dogbo? Uh, uh, Give the backstory, Terry. Isaac, look, I, Isaac Dogbo, I remember him walking into our gym about 10 years ago, actually, with his dad. And his dad was like, I want my son to train here. But I also have to train my son, which wasn't how we normally did things. But the kid had something. So it was like, all right, no, he bet, he's only 13 at this point. So all right, cool. Muck in. Dad didn't really, wasn't really an experienced trainer or anything, but knew what he wanted his son to do. Worked him really, really hard. Isaac integrated well, was a lovely kid. Can I ask, is that common? Like, it, it, so, I, I hate to derail you and you're just getting off and you, to start, but... 
I wonder sometimes when I see boxers who are tra- trained by parents. Well, yes. Were they always? Hey, Christopher, you. <laughs> were they always? What a terrible, terrible expression. <laughs> <laughs> were they? Is it a mix of of um, experience and cl- uh, and ability ranges in terms of trainers of parents? So, or or is it or is it generally Xboxers that do it? Um. So we'll take a young kid, Mason Smith, who just won a version of the amateur title today and looking like he has a really bright future in the sport. He's trained by his dad. I don't know what his dad's record was, but his dad's not really known as a boxer. His dad just knows enough and has been training him for so long that he's picked it all up. Whether he can translate that into the pro ranks, don't know. But there's an example. And then you've got the other end. If you look to America, you've got Angel Garcia... And he's training his son. Racist prick. You had Robert Guerrero's dad as well, Ruben Guerrero, being involved. So you've had, you've had, look, like Marvis Fraser, I'm sure his dad was involved in his early career. Fathers have always taught their sons. Sometimes it's because they do know, sometimes it's because they think they know. And you get a whole range of outcomes. Sometimes it goes well. We used to have a kid called Tanwa, and his dad was a liability in the club because his dad would just interfere. You're trying to teach him and his dad's there interfering. And I always say, like, when you're training someone, there can only be one voice. So in Isaac's case, the one voice became his dad, which was fair enough. We had no issue with that. We we let them do what they wanted to do. So come 2012, Isaac's making noise in the ABA. I think he got to the ABA final. Might be wrong on that. But Isaac was making noise as a 17-year-old, battering people. And so GB were like, nah, nah, we're full. They, they basically said that, which is basically saying, we don't like the idea of your dad being involved. That's what they were saying. So he goes and represents Ghana, goes to London 2012 boxing for Ghana. Gets robbed against the guy from Thailand. Can't remember. Got absolutely jobbed in the Olympics when he was helped. He would have made a, definitely a bronze medal, maybe a silver. But then he goes into the wilderness. No promoter will touch him because he comes with a package of his dad. And Paul is quite a direct sort of character. So he takes no shit. Ex-military takes no bullshit from anyone. And promoters don't like that because they like to have full control. So no one would sign Isaac. But if you ask anyone, or if, if, if ever anyone gets near Carl Frampton, ask him about sparring Isaac Dogbo as an 18-year-old. I talked to Shane McGuigan about the sparring session. And Shane went, I don't understand why Isaac Dogbo went life and death with Carl Frampton. That sparring session would have taken years off his career because they did it over the course of a week or something. Would have taken years off his career. But Isaac proved that he was one of the toughest people physically and mentally out there. So he's had this journey of fighting in Ghana, here, there and everywhere, being in the US with James Tony. He's been this really nomadic character, much like Ola Afalabi was. And... He's had to do this the hard way, winning the WBO Africa title, then winning the regional titles before he finally got put mandatory for the WBO and no one wanted to fight him. Give Magdaleno his due, the first guy who really wanted to fight Isaac Dog. I should say Dog Bay. That's really how they say it. But he will never get signed in the UK because, you know, guys like Warren and Hearn, I'm going to choose how I say this because it's going to be controversial. And you hate being controversial. It's one thing I know about you. The Warrens and the Hearns struggle with having 
black people in positions of power. <coughs> so they're never going to let Paul Dogbe have an influential role with someone that talented. They'd want to separate that union. And I think that's the problem. He would have been signed ages ago if he had just sacked off his dad. And that's the sad reality of boxing. You don't believe me? How the hell is Don Charles in the position he's in? Like, they never let Don Charles touch the, the golden prospects. Why? Because if Don Charles did that and he turned them into superstars, Don becomes too powerful. The, the sport of boxing, do not underestimate how racist it is. And I know some smart ass is going to go, but look how many boxers make money. And I'll go, but look how many promoters make even more money. There's a real problem there. And Isaac's kind of on, at the thin end of that. And, you know, same with Olaf Falabi. They had the same problem. So take us through the fight. Uh, um, dog, look, I'll summarise the fight. Versus so, so, so a lot of people thought Magdalena was the overwhelming favourite. I never did. And the reason was Magdalena hasn't proven himself really as a 12-round fighter. There are a lot of six, eight, and 10-rounders in his career. Isaac's been doing 12 rounds for the last four years. So Isaac's been in tough. Yeah, and he's a young man. Let's not forget that. This is still a young man who's been in tough. And he got put down. So let's be clear. <laughs> Isaac got put down early in the fight, comes back, fights his way into the fight, drops Magdalena in the fifth, dropped him twice in the 11th, which is nailing him with that left hook. And it seemingly Magdalena hadn't prepared for Isaac in any meaningful way, even though this fight's been on the cards for at least the last six to nine months. But, you know, I'll go back to what Shane McGuigan said, that you're not going to out-tough Isaac Dogbe in any situation, and he's got the power at the weight. So I don't think he should go any higher than 122 pounds. <clears throat> but at 122, I'd like to see him against Denaire coming down in weight. Let's, let's let him get some good names on his record now and actually become one of the few British fighters we should be proud of because he's done it the hard way. No one's put a penny in this man's pocket. And he's finally won a world title. And he's won it against a legitimate opponent. This wasn't one of these soft titles that Bellews won or that James DeGale won against a mentally bereft you know, Andre Durrell. So let's really applaud this because this is a great win for British boxing. Uh, John Bailey asks, amongst other things, but I'm going to go for, why is Isaac criminally underrated by fans here? Because there's no promoter blowing smoke up his ass. Like, if, if Eddie Hearn had Isaac, he'd be telling you Isaac's better than Quigg, better than Frampton, better than anyone we've had. Like, you could make Isaac versus Burnett at a catchweight, and Burnett's team would never take that fight. Never. Because they know they'd get stopped. Uh, John Bailey asks, do we have promoter figures on how many tickets were sold for Brooklyn? And if so, was it inflated by 5-10% to as it looked empty? I'm sure I read somewhere either 5,000 or 6,000, maybe even 8,000. I haven't seen an official, I don't think, figure. So, um, one of the things I wasn't clear on was, Hearn, has Hearn got a New York promoter's license? You've got to assume so. Because... Or is he just running it with Salita as the front? No, I think Hearn. So he's got a license? I think so. Okay. Because I can imagine he treated Brooklyn like he does Sheffield. You know what happens in Sheffield? Brook doesn't move units in Sheffield. Whatever they try and tell you, right? So ambulance workers, nurses, police officers, soldiers, ex-military, all get complimentary tickets. 
Um, it's a good news story. Makes you look good in the community. I imagine they did the same in New York. I don't imagine Jacobs could move more than 3,000 tickets on his own. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if the true sales were somewhere between three and 4,000, which contrasts with someone like Danny Garcia who can actually sell out you know, the Barclays Arena. <clears throat> I just look, my view is this matchroom thing will be a massive disaster and the Hearns are probably already trying to figure out how they write down this money because if you're telling us you're paying Danny Jacobs more than he's ever earned in his life and he made about, what, one and a half million against Golovkin? So you're paying Danny Jacobs two million, probably for the Arias fight and this fight, that's four million, in the hope that you get the Golovkin fight and you can cash out. There's no guarantee of that fight because really Golovkin wants Billy Joe after Canelo if he wins. So there's, there's no guarantee after that fight. You've got Jerome Miller and you're telling us you're paying him more than anyone else has paid him in the hope of getting the Joshua fight. And that's where you're going to cash out on Miller. But this is all costing her a hell of a lot of money. And the US networks, I don't think, are subsidizing that. So I, it was a mistake. It was kind of like Oasis trying to crack America or Robbie Williams trying to crack America. We all thought it'd be a great idea because we love them on this side of the pond. On the other side of the pond, they were just like, we have a thousand people like you here. Uh, okay. Uh, Martin, Riku Heigler asks, what new or different has Eddie Hearn brought to the US through his venture and where do you think his ambitions are? What new? I don't think he's added anything new. I don't think he's added anything new at all. I mean, it's been going, you know, we mentioned it earlier about Finkel being there for X number of years. <clears throat> what can Hearn add? He adds a bit of his banter. The Americans don't like that. <laughs> when all you can add is bants. <laughs> you know, How you, tragic. Yeah. And like, don't forget, a lot of what Hearn has achieved over here coincides with the rise of IFL. And IFL and Hearn have almost kind of, they've rose to the top simultaneously and they've needed each other. There isn't that same platform that Hearn can, can help build and can help build Hearn in America. I mean, he's clearly focusing his efforts on New York, on Brooklyn. I just, I think there's going to be enough people out there determined not to see him do well that he won't. Enough powerful people. And what are his long-term ambitions? It's got to be, he must have seen that there is money over there that he can't tap into over here, sort of PBC type money. He must be working on the assumption that at some point, if he builds a product, then he can get that form of backing. But the product is crap. The product's shitty. I don't want to watch Jarrell Miller versus Duhapas. I'm no horrible. interest in it at all. Fat fucking Jarrell Miller. Was he like 320 pounds? <laughs> Why on earth would I want to watch a 320? It's not Yokozuna in the Royal Rumble. Do you know what I mean? Geezer ain't even trained. He's gone 12 rounds, fair enough. And then you get Eddie Hearn afterwards selling the bollocks about um, they were interviewing Jarrell Miller and then Hearn turns up and he's talking about, oh, yeah, baby, give me Joshua, baby, yeah. Like, what's going to trouble Joshua? Movement, speed, fitness, power. <laughs> You've got You're a 300-odd pound man, doesn't move particularly well, <laughs> can't knock out Duhapas. You can't tell me his engine is good to go for 12 hard rounds at 300-odd pounds. I ain't buying that. You've got someone tailor-made for Anthony Joshua there. So they built... Is that what they're going to do? Is that going to build up fighters over there just so that they can come and feed them back to the UK? 
Pretty much. Is that what the aim is? I don't know. Forget Pretty much because he's not the threat in America that we need to take care well, of. He's only £230. This man's £100 heavier. £100? That's like $130. Wheeling in blokes with oxygen masks on like because they're and, so massive. Like yeah. This is the guy Joshua needs to be. <laughs> Picking the real obese side of America. <laughs> Mm. Okay, uh, after three televised Hobson shows, what have we learned about televised small hall shows? Does the model work? Again, from Riku. I think we discussed it. Oh, I think Terry summed it up. You give me something I want to watch and it'll work. If you're giving me a substandard product, I'm not going to buy into it. Uh, Sam O'Reilly asks, Eddie has stated there's a big announcement coming in May, which he says could change boxing. <laughs> Any chance this could be a Netflix platform? Hopefully he's leaving. No. Nope, it won't be. It'll just be Joshua's re-signing, I imagine. He's saying... I was only being facetious there, by the way, when I said hopefully he's leaving, because I don't hope he leaves. I hope he stays in boxing. And I hope he makes British boxing a huge success. My fear is that he's um, becoming complacent about it almost. He's giving us substandard stuff again, despite the fact he had a very good start to the year. But he seems to be diluting that by this American stuff. Matchroom haven't got an unending supply of money. Matchroom aren't hugely cash rich. So the thought that they can go and take their product everywhere in the world is bonkers. Bonkers. But he said that he's going to do something in May that the announcement is going <laughs> to, you know, shake world boxing, re reshape world boxing. <sighs> I don't know. Like he's uh, we got partnered up with show. No, HBO. HBO he's it? got the Showtime partnership already, hasn't he? In America, is it Showtime or HBO? <coughs> Showtime. I'm sure it's that's who Joshua's with. But the card last night was that on Showtime or HBO? I think it was Showtime. I think. But whatever it is, even by Hearn's levels of overselling what he's going to tell us, if it is an American TV deal, that isn't. Well, that isn't reaching worldwide, so it's got to be something that is able to reach, you know, everywhere. If that's what he's talking Match about. Match Middle East. So, I, I don't know. Is it going to be a streaming service of some sort? Teaming up with a Netflix and Amazon? I don't know. But, again, that jeopardises then the Sky relationship. Yeah, look, I, it'll, be, it'll be something really banal. I think we all know. Or, or it might just be you know, if Hay knocks out Bellew, yeah, got David for a couple more papers. That's sort of bollocks. Um, Bellew versus Andre But Ward. again, it's been a brilliant thing to distract this week. He's been talking about it this week. So it again, takes away from the, the conversations about the Wilder offer. That'll never go away. Okay, David McGillie asks, why, why does Terry hate Katie Taylor so much? <laughs> Um. Yeah, all she's done is stay winning. He's crossed his arms. He's crossed his arms. This is and, serious. Uh, I feel he took a stance on her at the start and doesn't want to budge now. Right. <laughs> uh, he also goes move, moves on to say controversial and brave questions coming from me now. I no longer live in the same country as Big T. <laughs> right. Just, I'm just going to leave this here and, and fuck off. <laughs> Katie Taylor is actually the irrelevant part of this debate. It's the principle of the matter that... Nice one, Dave. There are people who have fought 
for women's boxing to be part of the Olympics, for women's boxing to be part of mainstream British cards. And the reason I say mainstream British cards is if you look at the history of boxing in the last 20 years, we're probably the only country that struggles to televise female boxing. Spain. It turned out they were talking about it on they, they, the... Because uh, they had a woman boxing. They had a they? woman boxing, but they didn't broadcast it. They broadcast everything else, but didn't broadcast that. Yeah, there you go. Well done, Ailing. But is it, Don't so, you start grassing as well, Terry. <laughs> well, that, that was just me being sarcastic. Yeah, on top of Martin's grass. <laughs> Fuck off. No, so... <laughs> can't help yourself. So you look at Scandinavia. Scandinavia has been producing female boxers. The prime example being Holly Holm. These are women that have tenured careers in boxing. Lucia Riker, women with tenured careers in boxing. And you've got someone like Katie Taylor who does nothing to advance that movement on. She's piggybacked on the back of that. She's lived through it. Katie Taylor's been boxing for 20 years. She's lived through this era of the Jane Couches and so forth. You know, she's lived through it. And the Layla Ali's included. And Katie Taylor does nothing to advance that cause. So that's what I have an issue with. And I have the same issue with Nicola Adams as well. And I've made that absolutely clear. They're very self-serving when it's their time to make money, but they're not throwing the, the ladder down for others to come through, which I'd like to see. And if she did that, I'd give her credit for that. As a boxer, Katie Taylor is one of the three best women that can box at 60 kilograms on this planet, amateur or pro. So why do I have to go through the pretense of seeing a fight sucker after sucker? Just put her in against the best, let her clean up the division, let her get rid of that and go back and do the Olympics in 2020. Let's stop pretending that we're invested in Katie Taylor's career. We're not. We're invested in Katie Taylor fighting the people who are of the same level she is, you know? Like we are any other boxer. Exactly. So her fighting someone for a world title, but this person's got such a shocking record, you don't care who they are. You know, and all those shelf stackers she was fighting when she first turned pro. It's, it, de it demeans women, in my opinion. It makes them appear not worthy of the same treatment as male boxers. Put her in tough. Make her field tested. Make her camps mean something. Because why else is she going through this slog? And Yes, and I know she's got a shitload of money coming in from Irish companies that back her. Great, well done. But we care about boxing and she hasn't delivered anything of any quality. And for those who think I'm sexist, no. On June 9th, we're going to watch Sam Smith box for a Commonwealth title at 160 kilograms. And that's what I care about. Because there was a time when Sam was going to pack it in. There was nowhere for her to go. And she was upset. She had her gym and she was happy with her gym. And she was just going to pack it in, settle down, raise a family and stuff. But she's found a love for the sport again. And that excites me because there's someone, look, I, I pop into a gym when I'm up north and I know that there are a shitload of women that look to her as a role model in that sport of boxing. And she's doing that day in, day out. So I respect that. So in response to David, Katie Taylor should just be doing more and be doing it better because that's the standard she set for herself. I'm just holding her to her own standards. That's all. I know people are going to ask why we don't analyze the Jacobs fight or the Miller fight. They were just horse shit. Okay? Fact. They're just horse shit. Typical Hearn fodder. You could replace those fights with any other fight you've seen on a Sky show. It wasn't competitive. wasn't interesting. It was a waste of time. Okay, let's move on to the final piece of tonight's pod. Um, hey, Bell Hughes coming up next weekend. 
Dave McGinley asks, this is a good question, actually. Uh, and it's actually reasonably well um, phrased, fairly good punctuation. So nice one, Dave. <laughs> Are you still marking? <laughs> I, I know that he spoke to me at the, the last live show and said, I really, <laughs> really hate it when you start tearing my things apart. <laughs> um, right. So imagine the scenario, he says. David Hay comes to fight Bellew in awesome shape. Absolutely destroys Bellew to the point that it doesn't look like the result would have been any different if there was a bigger, badder heavyweight in opposition <coughs> to Hay, presumably. Where does he then, then rank in the heavyweight boxing jigsaw? I genuinely feel that he's a forgotten person if that scenario were to play out. Bear in mind, I hate David Hay as a person. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a valid question. He then goes on to say, who would he need to beat after Bellew to warrant a legit shot AJ? For me, he'd beat White at 60% of his ability, as long as he didn't physically fall apart. So there's a few things to unpick there. What? Imagine the scenario, first of all. He destroys Bellew. That's not that hard to imagine. You don't think? No. no. You've seen the footage of Hay in the gym this week. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but he's skipping ladders... Um, you know, he's doing a lot of explosive work. Well, or 15 seconds worth. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I know 15 seconds worth is easy enough to capture and put out. But with the ankle the way it was for the last fight, or the heel, I don't think he could have done that before the last fight. Or, or he wouldn't, at least he wouldn't have risked... You remember all the training it. footage was him on a, on a boat <laughs> <laughs> throwing basketballs. So, yeah. so one of the... So, I I saw him not long ago, actually. I, sometimes I just pop in after I finish training. I'll just pop in, just shoot the shit. I don't know why. I don't even think I'm welcome, to be honest with you. I just pop <laughs> what in. What are you doing? Get out. I've told you I, before. I, th I think I'm tolerated. But it was also just to discuss some other things. But the big thing he did was to bring in Ruben Tabares again. Because having having kind of been involved in David's comeback... The thing that was always missing for me was that Tabaris type guy who understood David, understood what his body is capable of and what it's not capable of, and was able to navigate him through a camp. So it's good that he's got Ruben back. Um, you know, I think Ruben's a, he's a good guy, good for David. But you can do all of this stuff in camp. And look, we still haven't had the hard sparring sessions in this camp. So do you know that? Yeah. Fair enough. There 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 it's not like he's got you know what I mean for this you you'd get people who like a Bryant Jennings is a guy you'd be getting in regularly like mate just come and live here for 3 months and give me that that solid work. You know I've you know you see all kinds of pictures and I used to think it was misdirection at first but it's not misdirection. So it is literally I'm nursing my body through the rigors of training camp. Which is understandable. Yeah, fully agree with it. So we're back in the same position again where we're relying on, is that enough against Bellew? If the body holds up 100%, I would imagine that it is. But that if is so significant that the fight hinges on what David is in that ring after three rounds, six rounds, nine rounds. That's where we're at. Now, I want I want to see that last hurrah from David Hay. Like, 
two more fights where we just see whatever he has left in him as a boxer, as a man, as a human being is just out in that ring. And I'll be happy. And I'll go, Yo, you've, done, you've done your thing now. But that's a, it's a big ask. You know, and you hear things up north that Bell, you might not be as switched on as he should be. And, you know, things around, you know, the whole away from your family thing starting to get to him now and all that sort of stuff. He's getting older as well. His body's betraying him. And it's him. been a long camp, of course, because it was yeah. rearranged. Yeah, so so Bellew's also struggling at this point. So let's just see what happens. There are two old war horses going at it. Let's just enjoy it for what right, it is. Getting back onto the question, if Dave, David Hay does, because you know, as soon as, let's let's go with the scenario, David Hay wipes out Bellew in three rounds and, make, and, and drops him, say, twice or whatever and just leaves him stone cold out on the canvas. He's as gonna, long as he gets home safely to his wife and kids. <laughs> that's all that matters. He, <laughs> he is going to then start bigging himself up big time. It'll appear on probably everything from uh, 8 out of 10 cats to Coronation Street or something. Yep. You know, he, yep. will, he will start making his profile as big as he possibly can and he'll be calling out whoa, whoa, everyone whoa, whoa, from whoa, Wilder whoa. to fucking he's Joshua. The, he's the biggest boxer on the planet. Right. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> what? does he need to do next and where does he fit in the big in the, in the grander boxing Let's jigsaw be, all he's got to do is get himself a top 15 place because you know Joshua would love to pick him out of the hat you know Joshua would love that fight that's a Wembley fight I'm sure Joshua would think you know he's a broken man I can handle I that I said it before Tom Schwartz someone needs to fight Tom Schwartz he's not that good but he's ranked take his ranking off him maybe Huey Fury I don't know, but look, David versus Joshua. Here's the thing. And it's something people probably don't talk about when it comes to AJ. And it took me a while of really reflecting and ruminating on it. Joshua has a parallel with Floyd Mayweather. I don't know if they picked it up from the Mayweather camp directly, but if you ever notice, right, Joshua has a, he splits fights into thirds. If you have first four rounds, Joshua doesn't really do anything spectacular against people who are any good. It's all off the jab, one-twos, jumping in and out. Bit of, bit of what he did as an amateur. Round five, six, and seven. If you ever notice, Joshua turns it up. And I had to go back and watch the video. And if McCracken's instructions start to change when he wants Joshua to turn it up. So he never really says, oh, I need you to go 20% harder. He'll say two phases, or he'll say throw more combinations. And that's Joshua's cue to go from 40 to 50 punches around to 60 or 70 punches around for three rounds. Typically takes the eighth round off because he's gassing at that point and then coasts through the last four rounds, just all of his fundamental boxing skills. For David to beat Joshua, he has to go with him at round five. When it goes up to 60 or 70 punches around, David has to go with him. Well, in fact, anyone that boxes Joshua has to go with him. If you look at the Brazil fight, that's what threw Brazil when Joshua kicked on in rounds five, six, and seven, where he then stopped him. Dillian White, rounds six, seven, and eight, when Joshua just kicked on another gear and Dillian couldn't go with him. And that's what boxers need to do against Joshua. Has David got that in him? Theoretically, yes, but only with someone like an Adam Booth, where Adam would just say, okay, you're at 42 punches around now. We need to get you to 57. This is how you're going to get there. And which is what he used to do with him typically. 
And that's where we need to start getting the discussion to with David is, can you do that? Can you, can you match Joshua at 70 punches around? Can you match Joshua at 115 effective moves a minute? Because if you can't, you're going to get railroaded for those three rounds. So Dave McGinley then goes on to uh, say that he'd beat White. Uh, I don't think he'd ever fight White. Do you? No, it wouldn't be worth it. Uh, that's what I, it seems to me. Like Hay would be thinking to himself, he uh, this as soon as let's again assume he beats Bill Yu, If as soon as he does that, he wants he's like right. I want a mega bucks fight, and then and then I can either coast or cash out. He doesn't want to fight someone like White, who's dangerous at the very fight least. Fight does he fight Jazora again? Yeah. It's not the money in it, though. Yeah. Nah. Derek's got a way of making these fights sort of appear bigger than they are. Oh, God. Wilder. Let's not rule out Wilder. Because there's that sparring footage of Hay yeah. and Wilder from when Hay was preparing for... Was it Fury or Vladimir? Fury, wasn't it? I can't remember. Can't remember. But well, no, because Wilder's been there twice. He was there in 2011. I think that was for Vlad. And he was there in 2013 for Fury. So there's sparring footage of Hay rocking Wilder. Wilder like all over the place against oh, the really? ropes. Um, it was when Hay was very explosive. And you know you, you would trust his body to an extent. Not 100%, but... Um, so there's that background. And it's going to... You know, Hay probably fancies that. He, as much as Hay might be a bit of a broken man, his ego is still through the roof. I loved, I loved Fury and Haiti mandating to fight some some weird situation. <laughs> I love that. Fury would never take that. Yeah, no, I, I don't suspect not. But that Wilder fight, Hay could step into there. Don't don't rule it out. And, and it goes back to the point. Wilder has more options than Joshua does. In terms of making big money fights, like it's easy. Because he brings America with him. He brings American money with him. And let's just imagine what Wilder can do half a million pay-per-view buys, right? And that's not unrealistic for him to fight a big name. I think he could do that comfortably. At $60 a pop, that's $30 million. So it's a big... But where's that $60 a pop coming from? I want to see where your $60 is. Yeah, Put it in escrow. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to know your P&L for the last 12 months. Ricky, yeah. Ricky Wright asks, if Hay wins, will there be any interest slash point in a third and final match? No, I'm no. not even interested in the second. If Hay wins, all he'll say is, yeah, my ankle went in the first, my heel went in the first match. And this is what I would have done if my heel held up. And he'd be right. Yeah. And if Bellew wins, then... There's- he'll go, oh, he's a broken man. I, I ended the career. It's over. So I, for me, there just doesn't seem to be any... No, no, I'm not even interested in the second. Re- and that card's trash. I've seen comments that the card's all right. It's not. Who have we got? Jamie Cox, John Ryder. Yeah, uh, is what it is. Yeah, but that could be entertaining. Two Southpaws. But that's a Saturday fight night. That's, yeah, that's a headliner no, of a Saturday no, fight night. But as an undercard fight, I'd take that. It depends what else is with For it. For a pay-per-view? It depends what else Martin is Martin J. It. Ward? No. Against I Don't Care? No. Um, Joyce versus Lenroy? Joyce versus Lenroy. Joyce walks through him. Yeah, but it's a walks being the operative word. But I, but I understand why you'd have that on the card as well. Yeah, uh, Michael Venom Page is on it. What they found yep. him? He's back. Where? He's back, baby. Where, where, where was he? <laughs> no idea. Does, does anyone know where Michael Venom Page was? I'm sure he's scheduled to be on it, and that's it. That is, is he the fighting undercard. Conor McGregor. <laughs> but that's that's what we're looking at as a card. That's I keep asking the question. 
Will Chisora to Cam happen? It doesn't look like it now. No, uh, Hay wouldn't release the funds. Because from... I'm not lying. I swear I saw to Cam in London on Saturday. There was a guy that just looked like him. And I was like, are you to Cam? I was like, no. But he gave me that little twitch. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to him as well. Okay, what, final what, question. The woman he was with was hot though. Ooh, really? Fi- yeah. Final question. Sam Khan asks, if you guys could pick just one fighter to resurrect who could transform the current state of boxing, who would it be and why? So they don't have to be dead. They just need to have retired. Yeah. Terry Marsh. (laughs) (laughs) Providing it was really him. (laughs) Do we get any explanation? Nope. No. Google. No. No, he was my favourite fighter. Oh, shit. At me. <laughs> oh, dear. Terry? What, to, what, to finish what he started? His fighting career? Yeah. He was a tremendous fighter. Really accurate. Well, no, it was, well, probably could have been more accurate. He could have been accurate. more accurate during his, <laughs> during his fighting days. Yeah. You know. Definitely. <laughs> in jokes galore. You can, I can only apologise. I, I, I am I, not in this joke If either. it's me, I've got one of, one of two names that I'd like <laughs> to see now. Either Nigel Ben, I'd resurrect. Or, and everyone knows who I'm going to say next, right? Come on, Andy. Even you, super casual, know who I'm going to say next. Well, I have my suspicions. Go on. Well, I'm assuming you'd resurrect Ali. No. Oh, there you go. I'm a, I am a cash. George Foreman. Oh, yeah. That was your second guess. No, I would. I'd love to no, see... No, but For- now that you said it, it makes more sense. I'd that- love to <clears throat> see Foreman in this era where he could just touch these chins and they just fall over. And it wouldn't matter which Foreman, like the 70s or the 90s Foreman. Like just him touching... <clears> He's <throat> in his chin. 90s now. He could come back. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then Nigel Ben, because you'd just be sat there like, I want to see him against Golovkin. I want to see him against Connor. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eubank Jr. <laughs> you tell your old man, well, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, go ahead. Right, this is too much for me now. Two Prince hours, Nassim. five minutes. Oh, that'd be good. On the explicit understanding that he dances for 20 minutes before a fight. No. <laughs> Every time. No. On behind the, the screen. That he fights Lomachenko. Oh, how, how fun. How, how weird would that be? Like, there'd be mathematicians going, but these angles aren't possible. I saw it. <laughs> but you could also do it with like a disco soundtrack over the top. Yeah. I saw a Lomachenko video the other day and he's just like insane. A guy, he flipped over onto his, onto his hands and then he, he hopped, across. hopped across going... Palms, fists, palms, yeah. fists across the floor. Oh, There's like, one way he was just insane. punching a, is it a bottle or something? I couldn't quite work out from the video. Just walking around, just hitting this thing up in the air. All right, yeah. Just oh, like when, like when Amir Khan did it. Like when Amir Khan did it, but Amir Khan did it stood on the spot. And it was still impressive, don't get me wrong. But Lomachenko's like walking around doing it. Ah, oh, it's insane. It's incredible, isn't it? Insane. He's fighting Linares soon, isn't he? Jorge, Completely Jorge, under the radar. Jorge Linares. Corolla. I just love Oscar Delahoy. Whenever he gets, you know, he gets hot. I like, Anthony I like Corolla. Corolla against Linares. Linares. He, has, he always has to remind us that he's Mexican, right? 
And then you got uh, Golovkin's fight next weekend, didn't he? But I don't care. Who cares? That <sighs> ginger dopehead fucking Well, well, I, the I, hair follicle. Oh, bullshit. I'm not having it. I'm bored well, well, now no, no. fucking Alvarez. I've, well, he's ruined it for me. Well, he's no, no. So, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> no, no. But, but in terms of doping, if you said... <laughs> you bastard, can If you said, what's the one true way of working out if someone has been doping? The hair follicle is probably the most accurate. But we know he's been thinking, because he said, oh, yeah, it was Mexican meat. Yeah. But then you hair transplant. But you can, you can. <laughs> but <laughs> test this hair. Is this one of your hairs? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think no, no. And I think I think you have to remove it while they or they remove it, right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we just cut. But imagine Wayne Rooney, Rooney doing, doing it. Wayne Rooney's got someone else's. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know how he's made that little wig that he's got. But like this says, you're forty percent woman, Wayne. Forty <laughs> percent granny. And you've been uh... smoking PCP for the last twelve years. I actually use one of these ones. <laughs> Just it, I no. What I mean, it's so insane that at two hours in, we're not going to go into this now. But no, I think we should have. A, <laughs> no, you're not going to get an argument from me. Nope. Is there any uh, any other business? Terry, bear in mind, we're two hours seven minutes in, and I want to go away from this pod. Fuck, I have no idea what time it is. It is twenty nine minutes past eight. Completely irrelevant to the listener. I, I don't think I'll make my train, will I? What time do you train? Uh, 8.48. We can do that. Alright, do do I need to touch on anything? Yes, I do. (laughs) The only podcast that quotes times and train times. Yeah. No, no, I do want to shout out a really good friend of mine, Charlie Harrison, won the 60 kilo title today. Um, No no better amateur out there in terms of just how he conducts himself and stuff like that. Um, top guy, no aspirations to go pro. Just one of those guys who loves having a few fights every year and is a good leader inside the gym and outside the gym. So now congratulations to him. Really proud of him. Awesome. Right, that is it. Apologies if we've been negative today. It's just that boxing's not in a great place It's just shit. It's fucking it's shit. It's not in a great place. <laughs> it's right. boring. And it's these fucking cornflake crunches that keep tweeting about the bollocks involved and they need to fucking stop. <laughs> Although, to put some positive spin on it, from my cash perspective, I I think Bellew Hay will be at the very least uh, an interesting exhibition. In the same way that Chris Eubank Jr. is always an interesting fight, David yeah. Hay is always an interesting fight. Yeah, it's gonna uh, and whatever comes out of it is there's gonna be some sort of soap opera esque con- uh, like consequence. If Bellew wins, he'll be calling out Fury, uh, Joshua. Uh, it'll be incredible. Uh, if he loses, he'll cry. You know that, don't you? As long as he gets home safe. I had a great career, but it's time for me to I'm, I'm going to put money on the fact that if if oh, Bellew yeah. loses and he's still conscious, he'll say, let's do the three. Let's go oh, for 100%. the third. And David just going, nah. I'm the only one sat down now. These two right, right. We're, all, we're all revved up, ready to go. What was I going to say? My car's not. That's your problem. <laughs> we're not doing this next week. Enjoy oh, yeah. your bank holiday. Ooh, yeah. Make sure it's sunny. Get pissed up. Tell me how it went. Keep tindering, guys. <laughs> we love you all. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Stop sliding your DMs. Uh, and uh, oh, don't forget to buy tickets to the live show. Even though all we've done is just slag boxing off for the last two hours. Yeah, but no one slags ourselves off.